Hello and welcome to, I don't even know what episode this is, because it feels like every day is just another Friday. It, so, well, for you it does. For the rest of us, it feels like every day is a decade with how fast the news cycle's moving. I, I'm just taking it, it day does. by day. That's a good attitude to take. Well, anyway, we should probably introduce ourselves and say what episode it is. It is episode uh, 225 of the Random Tale Podcast. It's the socially distanced episode. We're all remote. And uh, I'm Jason. I guess I'm Angel. I was trying to decide which identity to take on. What's oh. the other option? Um, there weren't any. Oh, that's why. That's why. At first, I thought the connection died. I'm like, well, that's a bad start. Uh, <laughs> and who? Who's our third person here? I am quarantined, Kevin. Ah, a little alliteration. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, this is the first time we've done an episode Wait, where we're not all it, in the same is room. Is alliteration in years. based on the sound? The sound. Or? It. The first sound, oh, okay. so it's like Donald Duck. It doesn't yeah. have to rhyme. Theoretically, okay. you want the same letter, but the kaka sound worked for you. Okay, so, okay, fine. So congrats. But uh, yeah, th- this is the first time we've done an episode where we're not all in the same room. I think for you, Kevin, the first time you've ever done this with us. For me and Angel, it's been this like is, four or five years. This is our this is our second remote episode. Our ever. first as a trio. It took a pandemic to split us apart. Sad, but uh, given the you know given the circumstances, obviously the movie got make and uh, those circumstances, I feel like they're kind of saying the tone for this episode because what we're trying to what we're going to try and do this episode is provide like a break or a, a retreat or an island getaway if you want to make an Animal Crossing related. Maybe we should just call the episode that Island Getaway. Um, I forgot to think of a title, um, but uh, whatever we call it, you know. This is basically a chance to get away from all that coronavirus chaos and you know talk about the positives of the current situation. So we're going to be sharing impressions of crossing New Horizons. We're going to be talking about what other online games, both past and present, we've been really you know enjoying as ways to connect with friends. And we're going to get a look at what sort of cool games are coming our way in the months ahead. COVID be damned, thanks to you know the Nintendo Direct and Indie World presentations that Nintendo just hosted. So um, COVID be damned. COVID be damned. So if you really want to escape the craziness and just listen to our whole show, by all means, please do. But if there's anything particular you guys want to hear, um, we have timestamps at rantown.com on the blog post for episode 225, which I guess we're now calling Island Getaway because I didn't think of a title. And unless you guys have something better. Um, and sounds then good. what <laughs> that sounds good okay cool and then uh yeah also if you're on youtube it's under the video but to start us off unless there's anything you guys wanted to jump into beforehand i was thinking we could just flip our format around and talk about what we're playing since after all it's how a lot of people are getting through the whole current uh like stay at home situation is um the excellently coincidental timing of animal crossing new horizons just coming out so i have it angel has it kevin what i don't even know what you've been what have you been up to without animal crossing in your life uh i've actually been playing doom 2016 out for the nintendo switch but i haven't been playing it on the switch uh for <laughs> reasons sure what, what have you been uh what have you been playing it on oh i've been playing it on pc i've, I've had it forever and then eternal came out i doubt i'm gonna play that on the switch too but uh but uh I, I felt like i had to play 2016 and it is a grand game let me tell you even even if you can play it on the Switch, I, I'd probably play it on the Switch. If you could only play it on the Switch, play it on the Switch, because that is a fantastic video game. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Fair enough. Um, I like how you're still getting in on the Animal ago. Crossing Doom thing, even though you're in the wrong Doom. It's the right idea, so that's what counts. <laughs> um, Andrew, what were you trying to say? If I could cut you off. Oh, I just can't believe it's already been four years since that came out. I know. And I remember when you initially got it and then proceeded to not play it. Hey, I played some are. of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> per per use. Yeah. And I loaned it to you, didn't I? Mm, for like a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Then I returned it. Correct. I do have it again. Um, but anyway, yeah, so Animal Crossing. That's the, the other biggie if we're not talking Doom. And um, yeah, it's been out for about a week of this crazy stay-home quarantine we're doing. How, how are you liking it so far, Angel? Um, I mean, I'm enjoying it. Taking it... Animal Crossing is one of the few games that I don't like to rush things like i mm-hmm. will go very slowly like like there's been at least a few times already during the week that i just played for like 15 minutes and that's it like i literally just went to the shop got my daily nook mile rewards and that was it i was like satisfied right but then there's other days where i'll maybe play for an hour and i'm literally just fishing just only getting fish and then that's it or only getting bugs and that's it so i don't know it's it's just a very chill game it's it's like the other side of Rhythm Heaven that I like, or the other reason why I love this game or this franchise so much, just because it's very, it's a good one to a good game to unwind with. Because mm-hmm. you know everything is mellow, the music is mellow. It's that's like what, a more strict. It's a more structured Minecraft, I guess. That's what kind of um, is blowing me away about this one. Is I'm I'm going kind of the same speed as you, so I'm not doing everything every day, but I'm and, you know I'm just cruising through. But I've been reading up on what the game has to offer a bit. And, you know, some of it's familiar to fans of the franchise and some of it isn't. But the thing that, like, my biggest takeaway is it's still so chill, but it offers so much. Like, the scope is so big. Like, if you look at what Animal Crossing once was in the GameCube days and compare it to what it is now, there's just so much more happening in New Horizons. Like, both in terms of, like, the volume of activities and, like, the depth of each, um, there's this tweet from... I think it was the Bloomberg... The, like, guy that does the Nintendo beat for uh, Bloomberg... And he was comparing the page count of the little guidebooks that Nintendo Dream Magazine puts out in Japan for Animal, Animal Crossing, like each of them. And the very first game was 63 pages long. And then Wild World was 175. And then City Folk was 288. New Leaf was 640. Pocket Camp, whatever. It's a little tangent one, but that's 176. Home, Happy Home Desire was 479. New Horizons was 1,216 pages. And if you just think about the fact that, like you're saying, it's like the most chill game and you can just kind of do whatever and maybe you go fishing one day and maybe you craft something the other day and you go get your nook miles like the fact that like all these things have that much depth within them is just kind of crazy that it still feels so relaxed even with all that going on like it's, it's, yeah, it's quite a I, feat and i could easily say i will definitely be spending the majority of my time like it will probably take me maybe even like the rest of this year or something just to finish like upgrading my house and getting the you know the island to its final form right but just because I know, like, I'm going to be spending most of my time just creating shirts and posters and what have you. Like, I've had a lot of fun just replicating, like, some designer clothing by Bape and Supreme. Mm-hmm. Just because I wanted to see if I could, and then I did. And I'm like, oh, wow, this came out better than I thought. And then one of my friends that's, one of our friends that's really into, like, hypebeast culture showed us that it's already been, like, trending as a thing that people have been doing. Gucci and a bunch <laughs> of other brands. Yeah. And I saw, like, someone else's, like pictures of their room and they had like some cool vinyls on their wall they had some posters that you could recognize it's like oh that's a disney movie or oh that's like some other you know just like stuff around that so i'm definitely looking forward to doing some transformer stuff and the turtle stuff mm-hmm. just until i run out of ideas so it could be a while and you're kind of even further proving the point i was making because like so you're getting super into designing stuff right there are some people who are super into like flower breeding there are other people who are trying to fill out their museum with the fish and the fossils and everything some people are doing home design some people are doing terraforming and really shaping their island like everyone can find their own little groove and each one has enough 
stuff and enough depth that like it's just so crazy that there's this much in such in a game that presents itself as so simple on the surface yeah it's a and really well, fine balance ever, they found and well i personally like don't really i mean i don't i don't care i hold it against people like people can play this game how they want if they want to time travel like whatever yeah it's like their own yeah. thing but having said that like the only reason like i would maybe again i personally wouldn't it's just because it diminishes the accomplishments of others and your own if you're just like getting some rare item and then you time travel i mean if you time travel to get some rare item and then someone else had actually like spent the days and effort to get it but that's beside the point like one of the things that I've actually been enjoying a lot re- recently, there's this YouTube channel. I forgot what the name of the channel was. But this player, he's, like, time-traveling like crazy. He's just just messing with his island and, like, pretty much doing... He's, like, playing, like, the anti-Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. He's, like, gotten... He's already gotten to the point where he could terraform everything in, like, three days. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty much just, like, getting all his villagers and just, like making little islands for each of them so they each have like a two by two grid of space they can walk on otherwise it's just water <laughs> right and he'll just like dump trash all over the place he's just you know it, it's just very entertaining so even as a i don't know i guess an avenue for content there's like plenty of things you could do in animal crossing just being a dick in the world or yeah know, i would probably just have entertained someone like actually going out of the way to make these extravagant really nice looking things like someone made like the overworld of zelda on their map or like part of it so that when your people are flying over it looks like the legend of zelda overworld map from the nes to clarify right but you mean it's not it's not breath of the wild it's not the entirety of breath of the wild (laughs) (laughs) no um yeah no it's that would be interesting that would be nuts i don't know how someone would do that but i I do think a big part of like so nintendo they kind of like subtly did tweak the structure of the game bin i think I mean, this guy's obviously circumventing it, but I do think one thing that I'm noticing in the slower pace I'm going, I'm sure you've noticed too, Angel, is uh, one really cool thing is there is a subtle but definitely there uh, sense of expansion that while there in other games, they like further elaborate on. Because in all the games, you know, you can uh, bring in stores or, or not all the games, but newer ones, you bring in a store, you bring in the museum, that sort of thing. But this one, they even at first limited you to a piece of your island. Which seems very minor. You have to get the you know the vaulting pole for to jump further, and you can get it within like a day or two. But the fact that just even that little thing, the fact that they're sort of making it like you keep growing your world, expanding, doing new things. I don't know. To me, that just felt like a really good way to sort of ease you into the sheer amount of stuff that there is to do. Because um, I mean, like individual, you know, as a game as a whole, maybe it doesn't have as much depth as like a JRPG's crazy menu systems or something. But there's so much like individual pieces that you can do whatever you want with that's kind of nice that between that and i I would argue the nook miles that they did a really uh, good job of just sort of helping you ease in in a way that maybe past games had a little but this one they're really trying to like give you some structure if you're not familiar if you don't want to be that youtuber who's going off and like going backwards with everything he's doing um like i don't don't know what you what you think of the nook miles actually because i I really like them they're cool i mean it's it kind of just adds to the whole like something that animal crossing always did that i mean it was i never thought of it as an issue but there's only so much you can do to progress in the game before you're forced to wait a whole day yeah and the nook mouse seemed to be like an answer to that they're just like all right you still want to collect stuff or like get accomplished in nook miles here like little mini achievements you can do like it literally gives you things to do if you run out of things to do 
Yeah, and it, it gets you to do stuff that maybe you wouldn't otherwise do. Is that what I was kind of thinking? Because like maybe I I wouldn't care so much about catching tarantulas or you know getting certain flowers or picking all the weeds and crafting them into a weed dress, which is a thing you can do. But like you actually get rewards for doing it, and I'm sorry, it kind of gives dress? like a dress made of weeds, not a dress of marijuana. <laughs> you mean the well, weeds? I lost all interest. <laughs> I figured that would cut, that would uh, what was that, Angel? Oh, I heard reeds. Oh, no, weeds, weeds. Um, oh. Well, now we know how to get Kevin back in a conversation about a game he doesn't have is just say the word weed. But um, I'm uh, okay. just <laughs> good, good to know. But no, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, like just having all these things that are there that you want. Again, it goes back to my central point here that they have so much to do. It's like even if you don't know what there is, if you're coming in at new, like let's say you're someone who is playing pocket camp and this is your first time in the game. Or um, let's say you're a longtime fan like me but never really looked at flower breeding or anything. The game's basically laying it out for you in a way it never directly did before, which is really nice. Because to your point, Andrew, it does give you more to do should you run out of thing in a given day. And plus, if you're coming from Pocket Camp, um, that's the structure of Pocket Camp. I think I was saying this when we talked about the Animal Crossing Direct, but one thing I like is that um, there is a bit of a gaminess to those uh, nook miles and the achievements should you want to do it there is actually Game, like gaminess a like path you can go down like like video like games meat can be gamey no i meant more gaminess like video game ness like video game ism like traditional game tropes i guess you could say because before animal crossing just do whatever you want now and there, yeah you could you know improve your house and stuff and there's goals there but now it's very clearly yeah. like hi do you like video games here's how this works as a video game here's some boxes yeah, to, to that to that point I always found um, that this is one of those games that's like really difficult to explain to other people and make it sound interesting. Yes, I just tried like to do that. Last asks week. Like, <laughs> like if someone asks you, like, should I get Animal Crossing? All I can tell them is like, I'm sure you'll enjoy it, but you know, just describing it sounds like, like, oh, that just sounds like you're just wasting your life, or like, you know, it's yeah. like describing any kind of sim. Like, I don't know, it, it it always sounds like I could be doing something better with this time, but it's like, no, it's it's about the the charm and stuff, because like. There's a lot of things that could obviously be sped up in the game that they just choose not to that just makes the game feel that much more special. Yeah. Like the fact like the Dodo actually has to turn to his computer and type stuff to save or the fact that you have to like listen through a whole spiel just to set up your game or how, how about the fact that when you set up the... your game those questions they ask you like we have three questions they don't ma- matter just tell us your preference of these things literally don't matter they do nothing they're just there as filler to your point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, this game definitely oozes charm. Oh, yeah, I love it. It really feels like a little world. And I think, like, adding... I mean, I guess what I'm getting at with everything I'm saying is, like, structurally, in my mind, like, Nintendo nailed it. Like, this is the direction to take it in. This, you know, it, they kind of took everything from all the different games and merged them together. And then on top of that, they did the whole crafting thing, which is new. So I, I'm liking crafting. What do you think of crafting? Because it is, for Animal Crossing, just one more layer in terms of, like, getting a fishing pole. Like, you actually go find things now. I mean, for some stuff, I like it. For other things, like the tools, I find it kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, you can just buy the fishing pole and stuff like that. Right. I mean, it gets it gets annoying when, like, in the beginning, you're like, oh, okay, if I want to get a nicer fishing rod, I have to first make a flimsy fishing rod, then use a flimsy fishing rod to make a, a more sturdy fishing rod. But at least because you could buy it, you could just skip that first step. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Making tools, I always find like the most annoying. It's just because I just want to. I just want a tool that doesn't break, which you could get eventually, but you have to work for that. Right. Which is yeah, always been the case, but the the but, tools. You know. I get what you're saying. I do like that. Um, 
when you craft furniture or where you get DIY, like the whole thing that now there's all these recipes you can collect and um, like you get them in messages and bottles. You get them – if you catch a fish, you suddenly get an idea and get a new recipe or like catch a boot instead of a fish, I should say. Like I do like mm-hmm. how it kind of like brings together – again, it's the structure thing. They brought together all these different little individual pieces of game in a different way, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I could oh, do it without the breaking tools. I agree <laughs> that that – like when I when we were playing the wild at that point, yeah. And when we were playing the other night, you and I were visiting our friend uh, Nigel's town, and we were doing a fishing competition. And then my fishing pole broke the first fish, and I was like, "Oh, great!" So, and then you guys had to watch me run around and get stuff to get a new one. So, yeah, it's like not always perfect for sure. Um, actually, to that point, I feel like so. Like I was saying, you and I did have the opportunity to visit a friend's island, and it was very seamless for us online. But I find it kind of weird that when like i don't know what nintendo's thinking but when you um go to someone's island you have to use a numerical code you can't use your f- the first time yeah, yeah the first time you can't use your switch's friend you list yeah. like there's a separate friend list which you know it isn't the end of the I know, world it's like i already went through the trouble of putting in their stupid 12 digit friend code yeah. why do i have to like refriend them again and give them another code and it, it's not the end of the, the world like once you get no the f- it is it is wait like, no let me finish hold on it's not the end of <laughs> It literally is the end of the world. It single-handedly is the pandemic we are in. No, but it's it's not the um, it's not the end of the world in the sense like once you already have met them once and you make them a best friend, even if it's someone you don't know in real life, even if it's someone like you don't have them on Discord, you don't have a phone number, you just have them in the game, the Nook Link app and the Switch Online app actually lets you message them. So you can, if they're a best friend, get through them and set up a visit. That's not a problem. But it's that initial one where it's just like, why do you have to coordinate separately just to get to the town the first time when there's a friend list right there? Like, just make a toggle when you open your gates that just says, let anyone on my Switch friend list come in. Like, you should be responsible enough to handle your own friend list, and Nintendo should trust you enough to handle your own friend list if they do this. But I don't know. Um I think the more perplexing decision, though, is how they're handling local multiplayer. Now, I haven't done this firsthand, but I've been reading about it. And there's this whole – and obviously there's, um, you know, the brouhaha already about, you know, no matter which user profile you use or how many cartridges you own, the island is always one per switch system, one per hardware. And I think we collectively at the time that that news broke like a month ago, I think the three of us just kind of shrugged it off like whatever. That's how it's been, right? Like nothing new there. Uh-huh. But what I don't understand, what I didn't realize, is only the primary person, so only the initial first visitor to the island can actually make progress on the island, which on a solo system like oh. the 3DS, sure, yeah, uh, yes, that, yeah, to your O, yes. But like on a um, 3DS or a DS or whatever, that's not a big deal. Even on the GameCube where it's like built, it was marketed as a single-player game, it's like, okay, fine, but on the Switch – which is built as a multiplayer array system out of the box and comes with two controllers, it, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right to me. Like, if Nintendo's going to limit the island to one per system, let all the inhabitants of the island be able to make progress towards the museum or towards Nook's shop or towards whatever it may be. Like, instead, what they have going on is they have the Washington Post, yes, the Washington Post, publishing stories about how bad it is as a setup for local multiplayer. And then they have people like Bandai Namco's uh, social media manager they tweeted out from the wrong account, so from Bandai Namco's official account, a complaint about how bad it is where it proceeded to sit for like four hours before they caught it. And, you know, it's like it, – it just seems so unnecessary. Not Obviously, those Nintendo didn't anticipate, but it just seems so unnecessary when they're doing so many other little quality of life things so well. Like they're very conscious yeah. of what people would think about when they play the game, 
and are making the best experience, like one I've already utilized and really like is now when you drop an item on the ground, it stays there. And that came from Pocket Camp and the idea that um, you know you can make a campsite. So they brought that over. But what's nice is it even works for creatures. There'll be a little tank with your fish or whatever. So if your pockets are full, you can just drop stuff on the ground and leave it there and go deal with whatever you need to deal with. Come back and put it back in your pocket when you're ready. Like it's a really nice little thing they did. Or even like, you know, you're talking about time traveling before, and I personally don't like it either. I feel like it's kind of a form of cheating, and really you're just cheating yourself. But um, I don't know. It's just like if, if people want to time travel, Nintendo's like, fine, we won't have Mr. Rossetti yell at you. I mean, we don't recommend it. Your villagers might leave, but like if you want to do Does it, that's your choice. Does he make any kind of appearance? Uh, supposedly he has a new job. Kind of I don't know him. what it is. Because I know he had a new job in the last game. He was like... Working with his brother or something. Yes, they, there was – yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't seen anything about it. I'm trying not to watch too many – like Game Explained did all these great videos for people who want to know of like every little thing. Like here's what it looks like on your birthday. Here's what it looks like when Isabel and Tom Nook do exercise routines in the morning. Here's this. Here's that. And I'm like trying to avoid that stuff to experience it like in my own New Horizons world. But yeah, um, yeah I haven't seen anything about Rossetti, so I'm not sure. But like to the broader point though, like if – People want a time trial, and Nintendo's basically like, you know what? That's your choice. Do that. So I don't understand why for like local multi- multiplayer, they didn't set an option in the settings menu that allows you to have multiple island representatives. So anyone can make progress should you toggle that on as the initial player or like you know, make it in the game itself. Like maybe you go talk to Tom Nook and you can set a promotion for one of your friends that live in the town with you. And then perhaps when they uh, when you promote that person, they get a cool shirt or a hat like exclu- because they're now an island rep. So everyone has like a Aloha shirt and hat that matches like a little uniform. Like there's so many ways in town could have skirted around this issue and instead they're just like, no, no, no. Everything else we let you know best, but this one we know best when they really don't. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the only thing that bothers me about it and it doesn't, directly affect me as an only child and i don't have siblings that to worry about i don't live with anyone that's going to be playing this so i don't have anything to worry about there but like it just seems like such a glaringly obvious thing they could have avoided and now they're getting blowback on a small scale from it so i don't know i don't know where you stand on because elvis is getting his own copy on his own switch huh nintendo's got a nintendo yeah he's getting his own copy so it doesn't bother me or it doesn't even affect me at this point yeah, I guess it's more just do better, Nintendo. I'm wagging my finger at you. But uh, yeah, I think overall, though, the game's really awesome. Like, it's 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 amazing how well-timed this game is. Because, like, usually when we talk about a new release, we kind of just talk about the game itself, right? Almost like it's in a bit of a vacuum. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like with Animal Crossing, I feel like we've got to acknowledge that it's not just the game that's good. It's the fact that, like... The timing of the release is so perfect with everything going on. Like, I'm not saying Nintendo's the one that like sicked the coronavirus on the world, but it is definitely very timely. And there's a, a, a viral tweet going around right now that makes a really good point that the pairing of all the like stay-at-home quarantines we're all doing and Animal Crossing is the it's like giving it the exact same cultural cachet that Pokemon Go had during the summer it launched. Like, this thing is everywhere. You see it in memes. In the fact that like people you never expect talking about it or talking about it. Um, case in point, this is a super niche example, but there's like a 55-year-old dude I follow on Twitter who's one of Conan's former writers. Never talks about video games. Only makes kind of dumb dad jokes. Talking about K.K. Slider the other day. I was like, wait, what? Like I've never heard seen him reference a video game before. And then like Wendy's is like streaming it on Twitch and like it's all – it's like one of Wendy's? those – Yeah, Wendy's. Wendy's has a Twitch account and they're streaming their town. And promoting that they do at home delivery. from Arby's or something. But no, dude, Wendy's. games, everyone's getting into it now. But that's my point. Like, even, like, Wendy's is in on this. So, like, everyone 
that in every corner of the world, like Brie Larson's doing interviews and people on L about Animal Crossing. Like it's it's everywhere. Like it's it's kind of cool, but it's also really bizarre. But it's just like it found that right like zeitgeist moment to come out. Um, it's such like uh, I want to get too too uh, I guess evangelical here, but it, it's such a like a a nice ray of sunshine in like the bleak situation <laughs> that the entire world is in. No, you're totally right. It is because like what better game to socialize with friends in than a game that's as cheery and chill and happy like whimsical and whimsical. And it's all about socializing with friends. So right. like, you know, you're showing off your town, you're doing silly competitions. It, it's like when everyone's like, oh, one day we're all going to live in a virtual world. And then like Second Life tried to be that world. I feel like Animal Crossing just kind of sort of slipped in in the last few weeks and is like, here's our like submission to that idea. And um, oh, I forgot Second Life was the thing. Yeah, there, I remember there's like a Time Magazine article or something when it first came out. Like, this is the future we're all going to live in. Like, remember when PlayStation Home came out and it's like, one day we'll all only interact through these virtual worlds. It's like, well, I don't know. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, we do. It's in Animal Crossing. Because, like, Eurogamer um, they compiled a list of some of the things people have been doing to stay connected while stuck at home through Animal Crossing. And, I mean, it's everything from a postponed wedding taking place in the game to parents during their kids' birthday parties, inviting their friends to attend in the game. Really? To, oh, that's cool. Yeah, to people going on museum dates in the game. To uh, This is my personal favorite. There's a real-life museum. It's called the Museum of English Rural Life, which, whew, that sounds like a throwing museum. But um, they're, they have an exhibit that no one can actually see right now on rural smocks, like the clothing item, a smock. And no one can get to the exhibit to see these rural smocks. So instead, on their social media, they put out a challenge with guidelines and suggestions of base clothing to use in the game to make the smocks that are in the exhibit on your character in the game and then submit you wearing your smock back to them and they're going to make a digital collection of all of them. Huh. It's That's like it, neat. it's it's neat. It's the weirdest exhibit. Like I mean, I guess people are into smocks, but it's it's like really cool that you know they're finding Animal Crossing is providing all these ways to do it. It is that <sighs> Kevin, you're making me say this. It is that ray of sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Angel, have you found yourself using Animal Crossing to socialize before? Like when you, me, and Nigel uh, played? Uh, not too much. I mean, my island is not really a place I would want people to go to yet. Because I would want to make it something crazy and yeah, well, I mean I I played with my brother-in-law and his girlfriend that was kind of fun for a little while, but yeah, nothing too much. Yeah, I've uh, like, I I've been doing a little. Uh, so I have a friend up in San Francisco. Uh, my old like high school best friend. We're super Nintendo nerds together, and um, he was supposed to visit this past week, but couldn't make it down so now like we can just do animal crossing it's kind of the same difference because you know obviously no one can travel right now and then um yeah it's like stuff like that like other people um just being able to go connect with them when you can't see them in person has been really nice um it's really like giving switch a a moment right now that like again it kind of draws parallels pokemon go because like even if you maybe aren't you know, the biggest gamer in the world. It's like, oh, hey, here's a really fun way to connect with people um, and actually stay in touch. And case in point, I was helping someone find – trying to find a Switch right now, um, and it, it it's impossible. It's basically impossible. Like 
Try and get a turquoise switch light. Took 90 minutes of circling various websites until we happened to see that Target had one in stock. In-store pickup the next day. It was the only retailer in a 250-mile radius of Los Angeles that had any variant of a light or a regular switch. And, you know, in tandem with that, there's always articles coming out that, like, switches are going upwards of 400 500 bucks by resellers right now. Um, lights are costing yeah, as much as Adventure regular switches. Like a, what? A Ring Fit Adventure is apparently hard to find right yeah, now. Yeah, no, everything's in shortages because, like, I mean... But, but, yeah, but even, like, my brother who ordered himself a... I think it's the the coral, the coral oh, the pink one? light. Yeah, the pinkish red one, but... Um, yeah, that one, um, when he first ordered it, like, it was readily available. It was readily available everywhere, but now, like, it's impossible. you can't really order it. Yeah, know? no, I know, because the person I was helping buy the Switch was my girlfriend, and she wanted pink, and then didn't get, and then we couldn't find pink, so she sold for turquoise, and now here we are with her having a turquoise. But yeah, she doesn't play games very much, but then Animal Crossing came out, and she's like, okay, I'm going to get that. We're, that's the thing now, and she's put in more time than I have into the game already. That's surprising. So. Well, who mm-hmm. doesn't? Yeah, no, but I mean, like, she's well, only I mean, had it a day. I, she got it, I think, Exploring yesterday. those new horizons, I mean. What? So, she's exploring these new horizons for her. I guess so, yeah. No, but, like, yeah. it got to a point where she... Oh, she's going to hit that. I'm going to say it's on the recording. It got to a point where she told me to turn on the parental controls on her Switch so she can't play more than a certain number of hours a day because she's getting so into it. But um, it's all Animal Crossing. Like, Animal Crossing, not just with her situation, but in general, is, like a huge driver of these switch numbers going uh, you know these switch sellouts and the insane prices and everything like we don't know u.s numbers yet but globally in the uk animal crossing is the second biggest switch game launch behind pokemon sword and shield like if you were to separate the SKUs, new horizons actually sold more than either sword or shield did individually and over in japan it's real quite real crazy crazy because it's uh by far the largest switch game launch they've ever had physical sales alone were 1.88 million copies which makes it the com- the country's 10th largest game debut of all time and if you factor in digital with their speculating Wait, this games or any game in general uh like the series mean? no of any game in general is the 10th biggest debut of a game in the video oh, game okay. space in japan period and if you factor in digital which this isn't even counting their their estimate could be like upwards of like uh 40% of the sales, which means we're talking 2.5 to 3 million copies sold in only three days. It's crazy. Yeah, like, I it's mean, Animal Crossing, and look at it. it because, of the, because of the kind of game it is, I feel like if you don't get it digitally, you're kind of a sucker, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Tell that to the... Yeah, I don't have it digitally. Uh, tell, sure. tell that to the 1.88 million others that don't. But um, what's crazy is, like, the, the, the game did so well... That it helped the Switch in Japan. The weekly sales of the Switch last week were 400,000 units. That is more than the Switch sold in its launch week. It makes the Switch a bigger uh, seller overall, lifetime sales, than the Wii ever was. And it did in only three years. Hmm. Like, it's crazy right now how big Animal Crossing has gotten. And, like, even, like, the ripple effect is coming down, like, Pocket Camp. Pocket Camp apparently in February had 520,000 downloads. In March, it went up to 1.3 million downloads. So, although I, I imagine with that one... Um, I'm sure some of it's because people are downloading it to sign in and get their special items transferred over through my Nintendo. Did you do that, Angel? Do what? Transfer your items. Do you know about that? Transfer your items? So if you are if you have Pocket Camp and you link your my Nintendo account and you have New Horizons and you link your my Nintendo account, um, you can get a whole bunch of items that are exclusive to Pocket Camp available in your copy of New Horizons. Like OK Motors, like bus stop signs and a little van sculpture and some other stuff. 
Oh, yeah. I, I guess I don't care enough about Pocket Camp to bother <laughs> doing that. Do you care enough about Nook Inc. to get the free uh, Nook Inc. rug as DLC if you're a Switch Online member? Did you do I that? mean, I already have two Nook Inc. rugs. I don't know if they're different ones or the same ones. But... I think this one might be exclusive. Is yours green and green? Uh, I don't think so. But again, like any, I'd rather event ultimately just have make my own thing. So that kind of stuff doesn't matter. Right. Right. And uh, and and I, you know, actually, I, I should back pose, but I should be fair. It's not just Animal Crossing that's helping everything do so well because gaming as a whole, like Animal Crossing, is the zeitgeist thing at the moment in the same way Pokemon Go was, like I was saying before. But gaming as a whole yeah, is like, doing really well. Yeah, like like yesterday, I had a really fun um, multiplayer session of Splatoon with some other close friends of ours, mm-hmm. and it's funny because we we started with Smash Brothers because you know my friend has a digital copy as he should, and we played. And then we're like, all right, let's switch over to Splatoon. All my other friends that we had, because we had a group before, they all have their digital copies, quickly swap to them. One of them's like, oh, wait, I have a physical copy. Let me go look for it. Turns out he lost it. Just doesn't have it anymore. I don't know how he lost it in a small apartment. But, <laughs> yeah, so he, so we're, so we're pretty much down a person. And that, unfortunately, sucks. And, yeah, Jason could have joined us. but Oh, you're putting me on blast. Because, that was happening here. Hmm. But, but because he can't be bothered to play like two games in online and get like a rank C, which like is like one of the easiest things you could do. Like we couldn't even play as a team with him. Now let's back up. You don't know if I've done that or not. That's not the issue. The issue was I was playing together this podcast. I didn't even look at my switch to see if I could do it. You have, it's been years. I think I've already done it. I'm not sure. I'll check, but I doubt it. And if you have, then it's obviously too late. Well, it's not too late. It would have worked yesterday if I wasn't busy. Well, no, it wouldn't have because you were too busy with the podcast. The point is, when we need you, when we want want you, you have some excuse to not either not be leveled up enough or you're too busy. So, yeah. But listen, I am playing more games in general. I mean, everyone is. Like, uh, gaming activity... Watch me pivot this to not be about me. Gaming activity in general, according to Verizon, game usage is up 75% on their network. Like, so many people are playing. Like, I'm definitely playing more games. We had a game night a couple nights ago. We did Smash, Mario Kart, and um, uh, Animal Crossing. And, like, what's crazy about that 75% is streaming services are only up 12% and web traffic. Yeah, so that's what it took to get Jason uh, to play his game. Yeah, it took a global pandemic. pandemic. <laughs> yep. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess to that same argument, like, it took a global pandemic for us to get a streaming game night. Well, yeah, that's what I want to talk about, actually. And Kevin, this is something that's more related to what you know you're doing as well. It's not just Animal Crossing; it's your whole life. But so, gaming specifically, the reason I think it's up that seventy five percent is because it's interactive. It lets you hang out virtually with folks. It's not just like you're watching a movie or you're just like reading Twitter. It's like a thing where you're all in real time hanging out. And I think that really resonates right now, in particular because we're all trapped at home. So with that in mind, what other stuff have you guys been playing? Like, because there's a lot of, like, we've named a few Nintendo things, but there's a lot out there right now and a lot of cool ways to connect with friends. Like, what have been some of your go-tos or maybe even, like, your favorites from the past? Like, what are, like, when you think I mean, of online gaming, what are the ones that you tend to do? Or what are you doing now? I mean, oh. Uh, Both. Either I mean, question. I mean, either one. I mean, yeah, because I would say, like, not to sound antisocial, but, like, it's not like I've been going out of my way to like find multiplayer games. I mean, like you have though, these, like, but you have though. Like we're literally doing that I, after we record tonight. <laughs> I know. I said outside of these like specific nights that we do like a game night of sorts, right? Like every, every other day, like I just kind of go through the same routine. I either play Dragon Quest or you know usual single player stuff. Like 
Nothing has really changed. What about you, Kevin? Yeah. Uh, as far as my gaming habits, nothing has really changed. I guess I'll put it that way. Uh, me, personally, uh, something that came out that a lot of people have been have been playing, uh, the the Battle Royale mode for, for Call of Duty. Uh, ah, yeah. Warzones? Yeah, Warzone. Uh, How is that? Uh, it's it's really fun. It's uh, very accessible. Uh, it, it It's probably the easiest... Uh, mode to get into, or the the easiest Battle Royale to get into out of all of them. Uh, I definitely feel like Fortnite is probably the toughest one because of uh, uh, the, the skill building ceiling. Mechanic. Building and stuff like that and editing. I agree. I never could get fully into it. Yeah, and I'm, man, I'm garbage at that. But then like Apex <laughs> Legends uh, falls into a little bit more of a hardcore shooter uh, just because of the, the pedigree of the developers. But Modern Warfare... Uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's pretty easy to get into. There's no complicated systems. They added some like new uh, tweaks to the battle royale formula. Like you have missions that you can do while while all hell is breaking loose around you, uh, and the fact that it's free, like, is definitely helping out people. Uh, like you don't need to own Modern Warfare. You could just download uh, the battle right. royale mode by itself. So that's you know how, that's how I've been playing with. Uh, with uh, some of my buddies that that didn't get Modern Warfare, and it's crossplay too, uh, so an even better way of connecting with your buddies. Like me and a couple of my coworkers, we're playing on PC, but they're like our third buddy plays on Xbox, so it's definitely like and Mac. I'm sorry, I don't think it's on Mac. And, no, I don't think it's on Mac. It's not on <laughs> Switch either, which was the point I was gonna bring up, which is they kept advertising it as. Um, free for everyone or we can all play together like they're using all these all-inclusive terms like everyone and all, everybody and all of us and all the players and i was like no well at first i was like wait does that mean switch and i actually went and looked it up and they never say the platforms on the blog post announcing it they never say the platforms in the press release i'm like is it on switch it's not no it's not on switch <laughs> it's uh, definitely not the, the closest to like, to a crossplay battle royale game that you can get is on switch uh is a uh, fortnite fortnite is crossplay yeah. across yeah. across all the platforms and even then, switches siloed off with the mobile games due to the frame rate differences. Uh, I don't. Well, I mean, At least it used to be. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it is. Well, probably if you're playing uh, publicly, just by yourself. Yeah, like, like by yourself publicly, just going into a random lobby. It is. Yeah, yeah, but like if you play with people on PC, you're going to get matched. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I didn't even think like Warzone came out. Right? You know, all this crossplay stuff really came out at a good time. Like, I'm glad Sony kind of got their act together in the like weeks leading up to this. Literally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because they were they were being the stingiest about it, while Microsoft and uh, and Nintendo were BFFs. Were yeah, were BFFs with that <laughs> Minecraft ad. Yeah, seriously. Um, it, I still remember how weird that was to see the Xbox and Nintendo logos side by side like that. Yeah. But. It's good. It's good. The world's coming together now because it is like, yeah, like, even, Angel. Even though you were saying like you, you know, your daily gaming routine hasn't changed too much. The fact that we are doing these bigger game nights already, or even on Tuesday, like you and I barely ever play online during the week. Like, it's already kind of shifting because that's kind of the only way people can interact. Mm, I, I guess the funny thing is that like normally, like when I do have a game night of sorts, it's typically with um, one specific friend, Nigel, mm-hmm. just because he's like the person that. He lives furthest from us that we usually like still like keep up with on a regular basis, but now because of the quarantine and other situations, like 
you know, everyone's schedule has like suddenly freed up more, so we're just able to play way more often. Yeah, and, nice and it about. and it was and it was nice like revisiting older games like Splatoon. Like that was actually really fun playing Salmon Run. Like we all got super into it, especially our other friend who we usually don't play too many games with, but. I'm glad that Splatoon is one of the few games that he gets really, really into. Right. And if anything, I think he has like the most hours put in from all of us. But um, yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, it's just a good time to be a gamer. I guess yeah, into gaming. Not only that, it we also did, uh, we did Jackbox. That was great. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, Jackbox worked surprisingly well. The, the extended timer made a big difference. So how? So it, walk walk everyone through like what you did because I wasn't even there for that. I only heard uh, after the fact. But you you basically Twitch streamed it, but then had everyone play which is on really, their phone, which is probably right? why like it was as fun as it was. But um, yeah, so we had a, I think we used the random Nintendo Twitch. No, I think we ultimately went on Twitch, but for a while we were trying to use the YouTube channel for random Nintendo. We just made an unlisted stream. Mm-hmm. of my Switch streaming Jackbox and then I just sent the the stream link to everybody that we were going to play with and that was pretty much it they just looked at the stream put in the code and I mean it was like at most like 6 seconds behind but the, by the time the, with the extended timer that time didn't really make that much of a difference they were done putting in their answers usually before the time runs up but and I assume you yeah. uh, easy peasy I assume that you had a video chat going too so you could see everyone's reactions in real time and all that or at least an audio stream video chat no or, we had an audio chat going on you guys need we to do video so you can actually like hang out like Why? one of the big things right now is a lot of people are doing virtual happy hours where everyone just gets like a drink i mean or if we were gonna have a conversation yeah but i mean you're mainly looking at the you're drawing and then you're looking at the screen to see who wins and then you're writing again like there isn't too much yeah, i mean you hear fair. everyone's laughter that's if, if it didn't. It didn't really feel like we missed anything by having a video chat, right? I think I've been spoiled by work because at work we've been doing video chats for a lot of our meetings. It's actually nice to see people's faces. Yeah, it's, it's becoming a problem. You need to. You need to stop. I'm, I'm sorry. I was trying to get these guys to do um, video for this podcast, and I was outvoted. It's time to stop. Yeah, but um, but you know the the, the yeah. funny thing is like going through all this online stuff now and playing online more and like I've been playing online more for sure. It kind of reminds me of like. Do you ever have those like couple online games that just like really like click with you? Like whenever I think online gaming, I weirdly think back to Mario Kart DS and Metroid Prime Hunters, which are not the pinnacle of online. But you know, Mario Kart DS was like the first online Nintendo game, and that friend that lives in San Francisco I mentioned before, he and I would constantly play online, and I just like have this very distinct memory. This was in high school of my Wi-Fi here being kind of crappy, and what I had to do was I had to sit dangling my arms off a couch in one room just to get within the range where the router is in the other room but i couldn't actually go in that room because like there wasn't anywhere to sit in that room so i was like in this weird like convoluted twisted pretzel of a position trying to play mario kart but like whenever i think online gaming i think that or i think metroid prime hunters because that's like the first like fully developed fully like feature packed online nintendo game where it actually crazy thought in this year in these years where we have to use an app to talk online uh it had voice chat built into the game like who would have thought Ooh, yeah nice. nintendo going backwards since then but no it's just like it's just funny that you know whenever talk, people talk about online those at least to me are the two that like resonate the most i don't know if you guys have any like particular favorites from back in the day or like your yeah, go-to i mean Metro prime hunter is definitely one that we played a ton especially like you said because of the voice chat yeah just exploiting and exploiting glitches just like 
shooting yourself into the wall so that then you could just like traverse the whole world in the void and just kill people from anywhere and they can't see you but you can see them mm-hmm. or i think tetris ds was the first game oh that i we forgot online with. yeah that one was definitely a trip that one's one i that one's you know what's funny is online so normalized that like tetris 99 it's always online like when you do the 100 person battle or the sorry the 99 person battle you are online but i don't even consider it an online game <laughs> because like that's just how it plays but i don't know like i guess it's become such a normalized thing and that might be why mario kart and metroid stood out to me is because at the time they were so unique and different and i had to do such weird go to such weird lengths just to get them to work and probably you know slip a disc in my back or something at one point but um, but what about you, Kevin? Are there any, like, when you think online, are there any immediate ones that have, like, the fondest memories or the most nostalgia or just kind of resonate? Uh, prob- like, I definitely, and, and now thinking about it, I don't think I've ever played a Nintendo game online. Like, even now with really? the Switch. Yeah, like. Wow. I can't We really, gotta change that. I can't really think of anything. Like, whenever I play Mario Kart, it's usually within, like, a everybody's everybody's around the couch just just talking trash to each other or same with like smash bros but as far as nintendo goes i don't think i can think of anything when but the game that probably resonates the most with me is uh resident evil 5 i think i've talked about this before uh i love that game i i know it gets a lot of a lot of crap just because it's not resident evil 4 but uh, sure but sure. uh yeah a, a friend of the podcast that like probably in my in my top three video games honestly uh just that just being able to play that entire game co-op and just like man we we probably oh, beat yeah. that game like because resident evil 5 came out and then the dlc came out and then they had like the gold edition was which was pretty much just the the base game and the dlc and, like we bought that and we like beat that game and it's like man that that game brought back so much brings back so much like good memories like a hundred percenting it and like going trying to find all the secrets and like so so yeah that's that's probably the one that that resonates with me the most just like mm-hmm. old just like i don't know playing modern warfare 2 back on the back on the ps3 that that kind of stuff that, it's funny because for me that's the opposite because i used to play modern warfare 1 and 2 on my friend's xbox who lived like 10 minutes from here so all my memories like we i go over and we played local so all my memories are only local but then like multiplayer online for mario kart is so distinct for me but for you it's always local mario kart and online for modern warfare so we're like literally polar opposites which is kind of funny but um yeah it's uh i think it is that that i think coming out of coronavirus when we do whenever it is hopefully not too far in the future um i think we're it's gonna be one of those things that we're gonna like probably war zones for you kevin and animal crossing for, at least for me and maybe for you too angel it's gonna be those games that are gonna like stick with us oh remember that time when like we all socialized in these games and we all hung out in these games and they're gonna probably have that same sort of like 10 years from now. i wouldn't say nostalgia for quarantine but like definitely it's gonna be like those sticking points in the same way that mario kart was for me or resident evil was for you or it's just like this very specific memory like kind of like when you hear a car or, or you hear a car when you're in the car and you hear a song and then you flash back to the a specific time you heard that song no matter how many times you hear that song since i feel like it's gonna be something kind of like that but yeah. just because gaming's like awesome. a, gaming's just in a weird like kind of fascinating time right now because like even beyond like what we're doing you know like the jackbox stuff or like how we got all our friends who have never been on discord myself included to get on discord or we have a group of like 15 of us 12 of us something like that like beyond all just that stuff we're doing um 
it's really interesting to see how society's filling in voids with gaming. Like NASCAR, they can't do proper races right now, so they decide to set up a parallel simulation race series with current and past racers, and they're actually airing those this now pro simulation series on Fox as if it's real races, and then they're having some of the race car drivers drive from home using iRace, uh, uh, racing like simulator seats and everything. Which, if you think about it, is insane. Mm. Likewise, like a bunch of NBA players are now doing their usual schedule, not counted towards anything, it's, it's unofficial, but their usual scheduled games, but in NBA 2K as themselves, streaming online. And even yes, right? Yeah, like just Does it actually fun. count? <laughs> no, it doesn't count, no. And even ESPN is like, they just aired the Tetris World Championships the other day because they have nothing else to air. It's like it's just kind of like this very interesting time where a year ago, you know, people would be – I think I'm stealing this joke from Twitter. I don't remember if I saw it there or what. But, you know, a year ago people were like, oh, esports will never be a sport. And now fast forward to March 2020 and esports are the only sport. So it's definitely a, definitely kind of a strange strange time to be in. Yeah, the, um, uh, yeah. the LA Kings, uh, they're like simulating their season in uh, NHL. The, oh, are they? They're is, doing it too? NHL 2K? No. No, it's uh, NHL. It's EA, so it's, it's the other one. So just NHL twenty, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so um, they're Portland. simulating their games, and they're and they're like dominating in their simulations. But man, their <laughs> their actual seasons, the last couple of seasons have been terrible. Yeah, so they they twist. they fell fast from those back to back wins however long ago. Uh, it wasn't back to back. It was. Uh, I thought it was about. Oh, there's a year in two, between, right? Two th- yeah, 2012, there? 2014. Yeah, that was right. there for 2014. It was a green night. Oh, you actually were at the game? I was working. Oh, that's right. You were working the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's got to be cool to be there when that happened. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah, it... Uh, pretty dope. Yeah, it... Um, even outside, like... I just because even outside, like, the, the entertainment world, like, games... You guys hear what my, uh, Microsoft's doing with Minecraft? They're opening up a bunch of the Minecraft EDU content for free through the end of June so parents can, like, have their kids learn some stuff while they're stuck at home. And Angel, I think you've talked about Minecraft EDU before, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but like this is as much just actual gameplay content like puzzles and all as it is a lesson, right? So like really these kids are basically getting free DLC for nothing. Yeah, it's just tools that you could turn into lessons, but that takes some work. But yeah, it does open up Minecraft to a ton of other things you could do. So that's got to be kind of cool if you're a kid at home, just like, oh, I have to do virtual school. Like... Have you actually heard what LA? I don't know if they pulled the trigger on it, but LA was looking at for LA Unified airing on one of the local TV stations the lessons, like it's some like 1950s Soviet propaganda or something, like where they literally turn you tune into a TV channel. There's just a teacher with a whiteboard teaching you through the TV. Huh. I don't know if they pulled the trigger on it, but they're preparing for it before all the lockdown started. So I, I'd take uh, Minecraft over that any day because at least Minecraft you can like be with friends and chat and stuff while you do whatever or have the teacher there and learn that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, that that's kind of the current world we're in um, and all the social distancing and how we're navigating it through games, I guess. But um, the kind of nice thing these last few weeks is we also got a taste of what's ahead, what there is to look forward to once we're past all this, what's, you know, good, what we're going to be able to play in the weeks and months beyond where we are now. And uh, yeah, Nintendo conveniently, they answered those questions a bit. They had two different presentations in the last two weeks. One was a surprise Nintendo Direct Mini uh, this past Thursday. And then a week before that was a new Indie World presentation. So uh, I guess let's start with the Direct as it was definitely the one with the bigger stories. 
kind of. I mean, technically, this was a mini. And, like, runtime-wise... I mean, not technically, it was a mini. I, no, but I'm saying technically it was a mini, but runtime-wise, it was really not much different than a regular direct. It was still 30 minutes. Um, Content-wise, though, yes, it was definitely I, a mini. Yeah, I think the mini name... What I think it's starting to signify, and I don't know if Nintendo wants it to, but I think what it basically means is don't expect any new first-party announcements of any sort of noteworthiness. Because, really, we only got uh, two entirely new first-party projects mentioned in the presentation. One was Clubhouse Games, 51 Worldwide Classics, and the other was Good Job. And uh, to be clear, like this isn't a knock yeah. against either of those. Like You may think Clubhouse Games is whatever. Actually, do you guys think Clubhouse Games is whatever? Why do you think of Clubhouse Games? I think it's whatever. Okay, yeah, that's what I figured. Okay, so I, I initially thought it was whatever, and then I started looking into I remembered it was on the DS originally clubhouse games at that point it was 42 games not 51 i mean i can appreciate the deal and like what's in there yeah. but i the games i want to play from those types of games i already have in real life and i don't even really touch those right and just from experience or just as just like just personally anytime there are any kind of clubhouse style games it's like they're like 40 percent less fun digitally than they are physically yeah it's like part of the, I don't know why, but like part of the reason you would want to play Chinese checkers is because you actually get to move the marbles around the board. Well, there's like, the, like, like the tactile, that visceral actions going on. Yeah. Yeah. Something about that is just like, it feels. No, I get that. Yeah. Well, what's weird about yeah. it is like, I, I knew the game existed on DS and I was kind of like, all right. Then I went and looked up some stuff about the DS version, like see how many, ver- how many copies it had. And apparently like. I forgot about this. The DS one was really well received. I'm talking like it was nominated for mo- multiple Game of the Year awards on multiple websites like GameStop and IGN or GameSpot and IGN back in 2006 or whatever. It didn't win, but it was like runner up. And I guess the general consensus was like it's really good customization options for rules. It's a really clean interface, and it was just like well made. And then it actually sold surprisingly well too. So. I get why Nintendo's bringing it back now. Um, and I think there's probably an audience for it. And they are doing stuff that seems like actually kind of interesting. It'll have online play for the first time. It actually uses the Switch's tabletop form factor, which if you remember, I think it was in a recent Nintendo Financial Briefing, there was a reference by one of the execs, I forget who, who uh, was saying that they wanted to design games specifically with tabletop in mind. And I think at the time we all kind of like, I don't know what that's going to mean. Well, here you go. It means backgammon and checkers and... And actually, this is what's interesting to me. It means backgammon, it means checkers, and it means some weird ports of things from other popular casual games back in the day. Wii Plays Battle Tanks are kind of back. Wii Sports Bowling and Tennis is kind of in there. There's even a fishing mode. Like, it seems like they're just taking all the, like, touch generation stuff from the DS and the Wii days and kind of cramming it into a new package and throwing it online. So, say what you will about how, like, exciting it may be as an entire new announcement on the surface, but, like... For Nintendo, this may be a bigger casual play than we're thinking because it's timed very well right after a bunch of more casual people are perhaps jumping into Switch with Animal Crossing. So that yeah. that there, there's some savviness here that uh, you know because on the surface I agree I just kind of like, oh whatever but like there's something to be said for them doing this. Um, the bummer is that's not out until June 5th, which normally isn't a big deal, but it means that's just missing the likely window of all our stay-at-home quarantines. And the well, I mean, considering all the people that are going to be at home instead of at E3 and yeah, imagine kind of stuff. Imagine you can go to E3, game. yeah, you can go to E3 and play the hottest new releases for the biggest systems. Play the PS5 or the Xbox Series X for the first time. Or what if you played air hockey at home on a six and a half inch tablet screen? 
it's pretty compelling. <laughs> but um, but no, I, I the I think the the weirder thing is um, I joked about this on Twitter. But if there's one thing this direct proved: it's that Nintendo does minus the release date of Clubhouse games have this whole stay at home thing kind of on lock. Because you've got Animal Crossing for socializing, you've got Ring Fit Adventure, which has that new mode that we'll talk about in a moment. Because uh, I know you've been playing it, Angel. Uh, we you have that for exercise. You hypothetically would have Clubhouse games for a board game night, and then the directs other entirely new game from nintendo good job is basically your office life at home so you literally have all of it nintendo has the entire you don't even ever need to leave again ever the the nintendo life series the nintendo life series they should uh, honestly i they should brand them like that that's not a bad idea like life at home magazine or something something? nintendo life uh it's a website it's a nintendo fan site yeah oh news site i shouldn't say fan site they're pretty pro they're more of a news site than a fan site but um I did mention Good Job, and honestly, for me, that might have been the most eye-catching thing in this whole presentation. Um, it's I mean, one of the smaller announcements. about you, but well, it's, <laughs> I, I will say that it was eye-catching. I mean, it's, it's... It felt like they turned the promotional videos for Portal 2 into a game, which yeah. I guess they kind of did in the Bridge Builder, but I think Kevin knows what I mean. Yeah. I think for me, it. Um, see, I didn't even think of it as a portal because portals borrowing from the same thing that this is borrowing from, which is the uh, wet floor signs and all those office signs and bathroom signs that say male and female and those little like circular people, and then made a game around them. But I, I get what you mean. That's kind of like the um, shenanigans of an office or shenanigans of a work environment. But what they're doing here, what I thought was kind of cool, is well, first of all, it um, this looks like a kind of fun like environmental puzzle game. We have to keep doing different little things in different little places. But I also like that. Um, I don't know what's going on with Nintendo doing this, but they did the same thing a few months ago with the stretchers last fall, which was another all uh, like fun, albeit small release. And um, basically, they go to Scandinavia, they pluck a developer out of nowhere, and then they tell him to make a game, and then they release it. So for stretchers, it was uh, Tarsier, Tarsier Studios of Sweden. They made the uh, Little Nightmare games, and then they made the stretchers. And here it's a studio called Paladin, and they're in the Netherlands. They and- made Little Nightmare? Yes. That's cool. And, yeah, so in this case, it's Paladin in the Netherlands, and they previously helped Namco Bandai with a bunch of different games, including some of the Katamaris. So, I, again, I don't know how Nintendo find these people. I don't know why it's limited to that very small geographic area. But it is it, like it is cool that they're helping some little guys like put out games under the Nintendo name. And, um, like I said, what I kind of like about it is, like, it just looks I, – I like the – even if it is a little portally. I do like the art style. I, I think, like, the big, bold colors work nice. Uh, the gameplay seems kind of fun, and it seems like there's variety. I'm going to pick it up in Private Impressions next episode, but uh, from what I've gathered, I think I'm going to be the only one doing that. Yes, probably. Yeah, but. I have too many other games to to beat and play. We're finally making progress in Luigi's Mansion. We're like so oh, close nice. to 100% again. So nice. Need, uh, that, that does make me wonder. Um, so if you guys, yeah. if you guys thought the like, if you guys thought this wasn't that exciting and obviously Clubhouse wasn't that exciting, um, I didn't say I mean, good job wasn't exciting. I said, I mean, I thought it looked interesting, but yeah, but it's not like it's not blowing the doors out or anything here. Yeah, yeah. It, it, to me, it looks like one of those games that I would definitely pick up once. I guess I feel like my my gaming stack is has gone down a bit, right? Because there's yeah, because I mean, now more than ever, I feel like the time to catch up on the backlog. Right. But, no, there is some to be said for that, but I, I, I am curious. So if, if you know, these were the two new quote unquote announcements from Nintendo, like the actual new titles. The rest is stuff on update, you know, updates on stuff we already know about or it's already released and third party stuff. So what, 
overall did you guys think of that direct oh, mini? It, it, I mean, it was like whatever. Because, I mean, it was, it was like a roller coaster. Uh-huh. I mean, in the sense that nothing overall was like, whoa. I mean, even like the Smash Bros. announcement. Like, right. sure. Like, we're getting an ARMS character. Right. Like, I felt it was like one of those characters that should have been there from the beginning. It's great that they're being put in there, but damn, I can only see them being annoying and not fun to play against well why why would you assume that (laughs) why wouldn't i any character that is a ranged fighter is always like a big pain to play against i guess because the whole the whole gimmick is like to keep you away but so it doesn't really feel like you're fighting against them it just feels like you're just playing a bullet hell and arms is all about keeping you away so i mean hopefully that's not the case but i mean I wouldn't be surprised if... I mean, it'd be cool, but it also would be annoying if they become the first character that has, like, a really long grab. I mean, they already experimented with that with Isabel's fishing rod. So we know that they're capable of doing long-distance grabs, so... Do you... Part of ARM's mechanic is having that. And I wouldn't be surprised if, like, their forward smash... I mean, like, when Shulk came out, like, look at how far he can reach you. Then it was Corrin goes even further than Shulk. Then it was like, oh, now Richter goes even further than Corrin. And then it's like, oh, now freaking Byleth goes even further than, like, Richter and Simon. It's like, Jesus. Well, just wait. This character, whoever it is, is just going to be one entire stage length of an arm. You won't ever have to move. You just stay put. I mean, we already have people that shoot projectiles that cover the whole screen. So it wouldn't be that great to have them do that. I mean, I'm sure they'll find ways to make it work, but I'm looking forward to being in the game. I'm just not looking forward to fighting them. Who, Who do you think it will be? Um, my money's on Ribbon Girl. Really? She feels like... Interesting. She feels like the... Besides Springman, she feels like the poster child. And Springman's already taken as a uh, cis trophy. And I could already see them posting, like, in their trailer, like, just putting, you know, having the the cis trophy run around while Spring Spring Girl... Ribbon Girl... Right. ...is running around. I I mean... You don't think it's going to be men, uh, actually, I could see it being Min Min. Both so of them. Min Min both did like... win the big overall. Remember they used to do those party crashes or crash bashes or the I, party I crash bash mash or whatever it's called? She won that overall. So she is like oh. the most popular character, quote unquote, based on whatever metric that is. Uh, just because um, I feel like the the safe, boring option would be Ribbon Girl. I like Ribbon Girl. She's cool. She has a triple jump, but that isn't that exciting. Um, Min Min would definitely be way more interesting, but... There's so many other characters that would be way more interesting than both of them. I feel like Dr. Coyle would be awesome. Kevin, who like do you design want? Just, uh, uh, Freaking uh, DNA, DNA Man would be cool. Just to I, I think you mean Helix. Around. DNA Man's his Japanese name. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I want him I'm not to. wrong. You don't have to correct it then. <laughs> um, but yeah, Helix Man. Um, actually, even the robot with Helix the dog man. would be really cool. Bark and uh, bite. Sure. Yeah. Kevin, a, any uh, ideal fighters here? You, I you know you know why you're doing this to me. I do know why I'm doing this to you. Say it. <laughs> uh, it's got to be Twintel, right? Like, come on. And, and does have that star power? Yeah, sure. Exactly. That, ex- that's the reason why I want her. <laughs> just to just that, right? Right, Kevin. Yeah. No other reason. Just no just other that. reason. No other reason at no all. No other thick with two C reasons. She has, <laughs> she has powerful assets on her hair. Yeah, I mean on her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what would be cool, but I don't think they're gonna do. In- I don't know how literal they're taking their little teaser, but they're saying, like, oh, this character's arms could stretch. So I don't know if that automatically discounts Twintel because her arms don't stretch. Right. But I doubt they're taking it that literal. But you know what I want them to do, and they probably won't, but I can dream. 
I kind of want them to do something like Hero or the Koopalings and let each costume be one of the different fighters. Like, that lets Helix I mean, get in that there, also... that lets Ribbon Girl gets in, get in there, Min Min get in there, and they're all similar enough on a surface level that, like, they're they all... could combine all their moves and make a single character, and it'd be fine. I mean, outside of, like, a movement option or some other, like, modifier, they're all identical. Yeah, exactly. Because attack-wise, like, it just comes down to the arms you pick. Mm-hmm. But, and yeah, because, I mean, it... I don't know, Min Min's, like, her thing is just, like... One of her arms would just always have it charged up the whole time. But, I don't know. It, it could be interesting. But then, like, but... in the character selection, know, what, I... do you, what do you do? Like, arms. Well, the same as with Hero or Koopalings, and they just call it, oh, I see your point. Well, no, it could, they could yeah. pick Min Min. Well, and... no, no, no. no, no, it, it, no if, they, if they do it as alternate costumes, it would probably just be, they wouldn't have those special powers. It, yeah, except no, they for, like, Except for whoever is, like, the main body. Yeah, I guess right. for lack of a better term, which I assume is either to your point, Ribbon Girl or Min Min because Cause she's if, popular. Yeah, because if they, yeah, cause if they go Ribbon Girl or Min Min, I mean, yeah, that would suck for. I guess you would have Min Min as the base so that you could get that more interesting dragon arm mechanic. Mm-hmm. But then that wouldn't really work with any of the other characters. And they do if they even want to. I mean, so. they have eight costumes. They have eight characters that somewhat can fit in. I mean, like, Bark and Bite wouldn't work because there's two of them. <sighs> I mean, um, knowing them, they're just going to do something lame and Springatron. just, like, have, no, have alternate colors to represent all the different fighters. I hope not. See, that's why I thought, too. I, like, I mean, they announced I mean, they did it that so with the early. Fire Emblem people when they could just as easily have, you know, like, for Ms. Marth, for instance. Yeah, just, but like, there, there's some, Alternate like, costumes could be... Like literal textures, just like the Koopalings, just other people with swords. No one will really care or be bothered by the fact that they may not do a certain move. I mean, most characters in the game do moves that they normally don't have access to in their games. Right. Like Ness, for instance, can't do half of the stuff he does. So Right, which is why combining them would make sense because it doesn't matter. But yeah, I... Oh, well, if you combine them... Damn it, I want to say there is a character that does take stuff from other ones. Yeah, Spring- uh, isn't Springatron the big final boss guy? Springtron is just. Did I just add an A for no reason? I thought you had an A in his name. It sounds Springtron dumb. is just Springtron is just Springman, but with but evil. Yeah, he's just a he's just a varied version of right. It. I need to stop calling I mean, him Springtron. If, if, if they really want to throw everyone for a loop, they could have. Um... Oh, actually, man, now that I think about it, I would lo- I would like them to go back to just doing Doctor Coil, just because she has like three arms. Mm-hmm. It's also cool, but then like for a final smash, they could also put headlock in it, just to incorporate headlock. You know, like she'll just like yeah. headlock would just go on her head, and suddenly she'll just attack you with like nine arms. So they make an awesome final smash. I mean, frankly, if they're mixing and matching characters, they can give headlock as a final smash no matter what. Yeah, to anybody, yeah. that would be that's kind of a thing. That would be cool though. But but alas, we're it was just an announcement of an announcement. Yeah. The so only other thing I was kind of like like ooh was like. Star Wars Pod Racers coming, like oh that's cool. But they just like showed an image and we're well, like, hang on, back up, back like, up. Like, oh, Let's talk coming. about how weird it was that Nintendo did an announcement of an announcement like that. Because like every time I think I figure out a system of how Nintendo's releasing Smash DLC, uh-huh. they change it. It's like first they announce a character, then they do a layer, layer release date, then they do a surprise day and date, then they do a tease of a specific character followed by a later reveal, followed by a later release date. Now they're doing a tease of what sounds like a day and date release in June. So yeah, like, they literally said, like, stay tuned for more info in June when it's released. Yeah, and, like, oh, to be God. fair, I don't think Nintendo wanted to necessarily do it this way. There's a report um, that in Masahiro Sakura, you know, producer of Smash, in his latest Pimitsu column, he mentioned that coronavirus could possibly delay some DLC development. 
And if you look at everything going Makes on with sense. ARMS right now, it seems like maybe Nintendo had to pump the brakes a bit on a full-on ARMS revival with the DLC all at once. Cause like, yeah, it's not like they're getting ready for a sequel or something. Yeah, because like, there's the free trial, which is out of nowhere, for Switch Online subscribers starting March 26th. There's uh, the Bring Back Party Crashes or Bashes or whatever they're called in Japan, uh, which you may recall you know, is basically the ARMS Blackfest that they did for like a year. And they're going to also um, do this DLC two months, three months, three months from now. Right when, like, you know, it's enough time for people to be like, oh, I like ARMS, get into ARMS, and then cool back down and not care about ARMS again. Like, it's just that right window where three months from now you'll be over it. Like, if the DLC was coming out in, say, late April or early May, that would make sense, and they could have revealed it today. Or not today, but in this past direct the other day. So my theory is, like, something probably went wrong there. I bet you it was supposed to come out sooner. Hmm. Um, regardless I mean, of timing, though, I, I am kind of happy to see that Arms is getting a second lease on Live because, like, I know we talked before and before that. And I mean, if it's getting that, a second win, I hope it would be for a different game. Yeah, so well, that's, if you're just going to make people buy the same game that already exists, they're just going to be like, "That's what oh, I was starting to awesome. say." Play it for a few days, and they'd be like, "Oh, that was it." Oh. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like we've said so many times, like the full Arms, price. Oh, yeah, like oh Arms goodness. itself didn't fully live up to done? its potential, but like. They put they as in Nintendo put so much effort into like the world building and the characters like in a way we don't I see know, them the do with a lot of new IPs. Great. The yeah. polish was awesome. The character I really really love the music. Like I have the soundtrack. Yeah, it's, it's it's all great. But I don't know. There isn't enough meat in the bone. Yeah. So if this is what it takes for them to keep the universe alive, also, I'm uh, all for also it. Also, just the core. Also, the core mechanic. Like it's fun for a bit, but ultimately you're just doing the same three things over and over again just like dodging and throwing out your two projectiles right like over and over again so like it gets really repetitive unlike other fighting games where like yeah they all have limited number of moves but the mobility options and what you could do at any given situation also changes from character to character like a lot of the stuff that you do kind of stays the same in arms like it can get competitive but it's can't really escape its monotony yeah, and I think I think if they use this as a launch pad to get people into the IP and then do something more with it with a sequel, I'm all for it. It does also make me wonder, like, okay, so if they're bringing back ARMS, it, we always talk about how ARMS missed the, missed the opportunity to really be great, and we always talk about how Super Mario Party doesn't have DLC when it should. And if they're reviving ARMS, which is older than Mario Party, I'm hoping that finally means they might bring back some Mario Party DLC or get some new stuff going because, like, it's just – I was snowed in a week ago in Arizona. I had Mario Party, went through the entire thing, did all the boards. It was really fun, but there's only five boards. And like now, I want more boards. I want more mini games. Like if ARMS can come back, exciting. Mario like, Party can just, come back. They're like okay at best. The boards, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. I, in some ways, I do appreciate their simplicity. I did. It did feel a lot like a throwback to the early Mario Parties, which was kind of nice as like a soft reboot. But the thing about soft reboot is it sets up a whole new series of sequels. So like, give us more Nintendo. Come on, especially right now, like virtual board game. Add an online mode, it'd be perfect. We can all hop on the Switch Online app or Discord or whatever. I know. And chat if while it playing. was eight players, like that'd be perfect. Like we I know. have, we easily have enough people to make that happen. I know. But so like, Nintendo, if you're bringing back Arms, frustrating <laughs> as heck. Yeah, but actually, while we're, t- I know you mentioned Star Wars, but re- since we're already talking DLC, just for se- for the sake of kind of formatting the f- like what we're talking about, so we don't jump all over with the direct. Um, it might be easier just to go through the DLC they announced. Um, Oh because unless you really want to talk about Star Wars, but I just gotta say, uh, we'll conform to yours. <laughs> well, no, because I just say if you if you look at the direct, um, so I'm, yeah, like hey, the other thing that I was really surprised hang about on. was the Ring Fit Adventure okay, music edition. That was <laughs> that was 
don't know. I mean, that definitely caught me by surprise considering I just love me, my rhythm games, and the fact that it incorporated Ring Fit Adventures already fun mechanics using the the ring con. Right. Like, man, like, even there aren't that many tracks. There's, like, maybe six from Ring Fit Adventure, which are all great. The music is catchy and energetic. They picked two from our Odyssey. Uh, I mean, Jump of Superstar, it's great. But it's they, But they, instead of putting, like, the full version that has, you know, there is a full version of it, they only put, like, the minute and a half version. So... Since I've already been used to listening to the full version, it just feels weird when it just goes like, oh, right now it's going to say these other lyrics, but then it just cuts to, like, pretty much the last stanza, the last verse. Why? Wait, how long do the songs tend to last in this mode? Maybe they had to trim it down for that reason. Are they all set length? No, they're not. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, a lot of the, (laughs) like, a lot of the Ringfoot Adventure songs, they're about a minute and a half, just because that's how long they typically are before they loop. Because they're, like, battle themes and such. And... And then um, you have Jump Up Superstar that I think is like a minute and a half to two minutes, but I think the full song is like three. So you're 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 losing out on some stuff like. And then you also have, for whatever reason, instead of picking another more unique song from Super Mario Odyssey, they just picked the the big band version of the one one theme, hmm. which is okay. I mean, I guess it's like you can't have a Nintendo rhythm game without the Mario theme, but yep. I would have loved to hear anything else like. Maybe the music you hear when you're fighting Bowser or when you're running, a, when you're escaping the the moon at the end. I don't know. That game has so many awesome tracks. But then you have Breath of the Wild, which does something awesome, I think, is instead of having a bunch of different tracks, they have a Breath of the Wild medley, which is like three minutes long. Orchestrated? And it just, no, it looks like they just like ripped it straight from the game. Oh. Like it starts with like the music that comes out when you're getting chased by the Guardians, then it goes to like a like a desert temple theme then it goes to like when you're fighting ganon to when you're fighting the final form of ganon i don't know it's it's pretty cool it's like you're going through like different boss levels do they at least blend well and then no they just abruptly stop and the next one just starts <sighs> i so guess for free dlc i can't complain too much so they could have done something like an orchestrated medley like they did for smash brothers like those are awesome but no and then i mean i'll take what i can get they were it's still appreciated it's still free yeah exactly. and then uh and then for Splatoon 2, they just have the ebb and flow song from Marina and Pearl. And then it just goes into, I guess, what you would... The main theme of Splatoon. The one that I'm sure everyone remembers. Splatoon 2, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. That's also like three minutes. And then you have like a We Fit medley, which is also pretty nice. That was like about two and a half minutes or something like that. And those are all great. I mean, all the music is great for what it is. I mean, especially because it's free. There's Wait, a, so what? There's 17 there. songs and total, and, right? Because you, you named all... six from the game and four, five from other games. What's the other six? Probably more Ring Fit. Oh, oh. okay. So <laughs> so I guess the way this works is um, you have all the songs I mentioned. And then there's there are pretty much two versions of each song. There's like an upper body version and a lower body version. So it's the same song, but there are two different ways you can play it. Like you're either squeezing the ring con and I guess twisting it, like you're steering a car and also pulling it. Or there's like the other one where you pretty much have it on your abs the entire time and you're squeezing it and you're twisting your body and doing more squats and stuff. So it's like whether you're going to work out your lower body or your upper body. So you could pretty much play each song twice. Or there's like two games per song. So I guess that's kind of how it doubles. 
But on top mm-hmm. of that, you also have four difficulties. You have novice, advanced, super advanced, and ultra advanced. And going from novice, novice is like super easy, nice way to get into it. Anyone could do it. And then you go to advanced, which adds a little more. It's pretty fun. You could probably still get like an A ranking on it on your first try. And then when you get to super advanced, it's like, Jesus Christ. It's like, it's an intense workout. And it goes by so fast. Like, I don't know. I'm definitely going to have a lot of fun just like chipping at this. Like, like literally I went from like an A plus ranking on the Breath of the Wild one Mm -hmm. to like a D on the next ranking just because it was like such a jump in difficulty. Yeah. And, and you have to get an A in order to unlock ultra advanced. So I can't even imagine what that one is going to be like. Right. But, but like I said, like just from that alone, if you want to get an S ranking on all of them, this is going to get you plenty of game time. And not to mention the fact that it does actually work as a nice workout. Like if I played this for like maybe forty minutes straight and I was exhausted and like like sweating, like it was it was very satisfying. I'm very happy with this. I really hope to keep adding because like there's so much more they can add. Like they could literally just add like some rhythm heaven music to this. They could add just music from other games too like add some freaking arms music while they're at it to keep cross promoting or smash brothers music oh mm. my god like they could there's so much they could do i wouldn't even mind like if they put out like a 10 dollar music pack and it gives me like 20 more songs or something like just make out its own thing i like, that'd be great. suspect they might because like Ring considering Fitch... they also added considering the, in addition to this they also added like running courses if you just want to like do more cardio Right, which is great, and the female do... voice for the ring for the instructions from the ring for those who yeah, want it. and I guess other languages yeah yeah the, the the stereotypical voice I guess I'm just used to it. I mean I don't hate it, but it, at this point it feels kind of weird to change it. Right, it's like when it's Siri had multiple voice options after the first Siri, and you're like, wait, but none of these are Siri. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is just. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, oh, yeah. to your point, I think they are going to probably do more DLC. Or I hope they do because like Ring Fit's blowing up. Like, I mean, you mentioned already that it's hard to find right now. Like, people are scalping it for upwards of one hundred seventy dollars on eBay. I saw, and some people are just selling wow. the cartridge for ninety dollars, and then you could go buy the uh, Ring oh, Con from Nintendo this separately. This game needs to be should have been like a download. It's so annoying to have to <laughs> yeah put the cartridge in every time. I, I suspect it's because they figure well, you have to go get the crazy controller somewhere anyway. So why don't we just give you a cartridge? How much more work is that? <laughs> That's their attitude, at least. But um. I think because it's blowing up and it's doing so well, in part because, you know, New Year's resolutions and now people want to exercise indoors, um, Nintendo would be really stupid not to seize this opportunity to put out some paid DLC like song packs or new worlds or something. But then again, I also thought it would be a no-brainer for your 7 million copies sold Mario Party to have DLC, and yet here we are, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I think I think it sounds like it's a great addition. It sounds like it would absolutely make sense for them to build on it further. So hopefully. All right. Do I have permission to talk about Pod Racer now? I guess. I was going to say um, before you did that, it is interesting how this direct and Pod Racers kind of feeds into this is basically split between two separate, like, there's like two stories to it. One is just like, we don't have anything new to show you. We're keeping our cards very close to our chest. I'm guessing they're doing it because of the fluidity of release dates due to Corona and development time and stuff. So that means all we got was updates in the form of DLC and on games we know about, like Xenoblade Chronicles. Okay, it has an epilogue now, I guess, called Future Connected, which at least you can play from the start if you've already played it. That's cool for people like that. But then the other half of it is literally just ports. Everything in that direct was ports, 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 ports. Some were cool, some were less cool, some were very cool. You want to talk about Star Wars, so here you go. There you go. Oh, that's all you were going to say? I was just, I I shortened a lot of what I was going to say because I didn't want to keep you waiting. (laughs) Oh. 
But that was the gist of it. it. Was just like it's very interesting how it's like Nintendo either has ports for us or they have nothing brand new to show us. But they're kind of in a weird limbo right now as a result. So, so you want to talk about Star Wars? Yeah. Stuff. So this will be brief, but basically they announced Jedi Academy or whatever that other game was, and it's like, oh, cool! This is like online multiplayer with up to how many people? Like twelve. Like, yeah, something I like that. I mean, that's. I mean, that sounds fun, and I never played that one, but I did play Jedi Power Battles on the PlayStation 1 and that was really fun and it looks similar. Mm-hmm. I may check it out just because it's online multiplayer. And then they just put out that title card that just says, like, oh, Podrace is coming out. More details later. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I would have liked the facelift or, like, you know, updated visuals, but if it was just the same game but with online play, like, this new, I guess not even updated one, all they did was add online play, apparently, for the Academy one. Yeah. But apparently it's not even getting that. It's getting wireless LAN. And that's it. Yeah, so <laughs> it went from getting really excited about it to I don't even know if I'm going to bother picking it up. So let, let, let's walk this back for a second. What is it about Episode 1 Pod Racer that you really liked back in the day? I rented it a couple times. I remember it being kind of fun. But what um, – because you're not the only one that was super excited about this pre-learning it's not online. I saw a lot of that so, online. So what is it about this game? <laughs> so it's like – I don't know. It's just like another F-Zero type kind of game. We randomly bought it one day, and I don't know. I remember Elvis and I playing it a ton. But, you know, fast-paced. What's really fun is that um, you have these two engines that you have to actually maintain. And when you take damage and you crash into any other vehicle, depending on what engine gets damaged, you have to make sure that that engine doesn't take any more, or or it will get destroyed, and you'll crash and explode, and then you'll, like, respawn. You know, a little further back. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is you can initiate repairs on your engine by holding down the shoulder buttons. So you could transfer some of the energy from one engine to the other. So you're kind of weakening yourself overall. But you will at least be able to take maybe another two hits or three from that engine that was potentially one hit away from dying. So that's like just one level, at least with like the pod racer itself. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, it's, I guess, just very similar to F0GX. Like, the tracks just get really crazy later on. There's, like, a bunch of crazy jumps, crazy shortcuts, where you pretty much have to tilt back on the analog stick to increase your airtime so that you can basically fly or glide to, like, certain areas that, you know, will give you, like, a huge advantage. Most tracks later on have, almost all of them have, like, multiple paths and crazy shortcuts. And there's even one track, if I remember correctly, that, almost like a punishment, there's, like, a track that doesn't have any rails that you're supposed to stay on and if you fall to the lower track it's just a significantly slower track that you're just forced to get through i remember that track so so the difficulty is uh, it's pretty tough it's a really tough game yeah it's very f-zero very uh wipeout hmm. oh wipeout yeah M- minus the not the to mention works. like you know even though it yeah there, have... yeah that's the thing like and, and they're like yeah that's the thing they're like from what i remember no Power there's up. an upgrade system. I remember that from when I rented it, but there's not. Yeah, power yeah. Ups. I mean, yeah. You could, you, you could, you could modify your your pod racer, like just improve it and make it better. But I think that's what I really like. Just like F Zero, like it just comes down to pure skill for the most part. You just have to get good at it. Like there's no like, oh, I got blue shell or equivalent. It's just if you lose, it's because of you, or maybe the computer is just way too hard. But what, what's funny about and, and 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 the music was also. I mean. All the sound effects, if I remember 
correctly like they were all taken from the movie so everything just sounded really cool mm-hmm. like anytime you get a boost just sounded just like it did in the movie not to mention like Duel of the Fates is on the title screen so <laughs> I think that's probably why I love that song so much is because I heard it so much every time mm-hmm. every time I hear it I just think pod racers and yeah pretty much any point in the film when that song isn't there I just started thinking that it was in there even if it wasn't the same movie but, Wait, so every time you see anything of Star Wars, you just assume it's doing da-da-da-da in the background the entire time? Oh, no, time? Well, no. Well, <laughs> well, on one hand, anytime I think Star Wars, I immediately think Duel of Fates. But oh, there were I a few – I guess um, I had a few, like, Mandela effects where I thought, like, when – I guess in the third movie when Obi-Wan was fighting Anakin, I thought Duel of Fates was playing in the background the whole time. But I guess it wasn't. It was just some other song. I guess Duel of Fates <laughs> literally just came out in the first movie and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's, funny. like, such a good track. It's, like – so hype and so dramatic it's what, what such, it, so underused what is funny is like everything you're saying like oh it had this and it had that and you know it, it's like and i'm not zero. even like a big star wars fan it's literally just like that song in this game right love. right they just <laughs> resonate but yeah um what yeah. i started to say is like it's funny that because you're you're bummed there's no online and you might not get across that now i'm like wait i need to catch up with this game that's apparently really great and you kind of just sold me on it even without the online so i guess i'm getting pod racer now i, uh, I mean I, you get it but i feel like I like GX a I lot. Seen, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen I haven't seen videos of it lately, but from what I, I've seen pictures, and I'm like, oh, it did not age as well, like as good as I remember. I mean, it, it, it didn't it, really have an art like a distinct arc style. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was just trying to be realistic. Yeah. Well, I looked so, at some screenshots, and it just looked to me like a kind of and a uh, Dreamcast game that needs some better anti-aliasing. I so. think it needs way more yeah. than just some. <laughs> Am I being too nice to it? Maybe. All right, but. that's fair. Well, at least at least a lot of the other ports in the presentation actually look pretty good because a lot of them were coming from, like, newer systems. So, like, uh, I mean, there's a lot of them. Yeah, this is an N64 game. Yeah, and Dreamcast. And Dreamcast is a Dreamcast title, too. Yeah, um, so keep that in mind. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, like, it's showing its age, I guess. But, like, the diversity of the ports and the quality of the visuals on the on the ports that we saw from the other games looks pretty good by comparison. So, like, it, it's weird how – it's not weird. It makes sense, but – the fact that the Direct has so much diversity in its games off almost entirely ports. Like, you, I mean, obviously, I was sort of breezing past Xenoblade before, but it, too, is basically a port. They're doing, like, a fake I DLC, mean, but it's basically a port. Um, if the people that redid Crash Team Racing, or if they just give it the same treatment, yeah. maybe after this game, hopefully so as well. But they, they found success. Online, they found but, success with the other um, quick and dirty Star Wars ports already that they probably don't feel a need to do it. Yeah, because like, because what they're doing, I mean, is, it literally went from like, yeah, they had two sales guaranteed between me and my friend, right? Because like, our other friend Nigel, yeah. But without the online, I feel like they lost both of ours. And I mean, if we felt like that, I'm sure a lot of people, I'm sure, yeah, felt like that too. They could always patch it in. And if they do, then I'll pick it up. So yeah, there you go. But no, uh, I'm well, gonna wait till they do. What I was trying to say is like, there's a lot of like this one excluded. There are a lot of ports that like I'm kind of impressed, like seeing those games running on the Switch. I mean, like all the, not that they're necessarily graphical powerhouses these days compared to like the Pro and the One um, X, but like you know, seeing Bioshock actually be confirmed, all the 2K stuff being confirmed. Bioshock Collection, you know, one remastered, two remastered, Infinite. They look good on Switch, um, and now that's official. And then we're getting Borderlands one, two, and pre sequel, and even the XComs. I think it's XCOM two, it's DLC, and then XCOM two War of the Chosen. Like, there's a lot of 
just from 2K alone in that one pretty snazzy 2K Heart Switch trailer, there was a lot of games all coming out on May 29th alongside Xenoblade, which is a weird coincidence. s 2 will um, be really interesting because that game did not run well uh, on consoles, and it didn't run well on PC at launch either, so... Oh, really? Yeah, so we'll see. And I never heard any updates on, on whether those games got, got like, really great patches, so... Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that I'm kind of curious now too. I mean, I'm also kind of wondering what the Mario Rabbits. Yeah, it's basically a substitute. I am kind of wondering what 2K strategy is to release them all on the same day. Like, I get they don't control Xenoblade coming out on May 29th, and you know the people are getting Xenoblade, you know, because they want the definitive collector's works edition with the art book and all that. Like, I don't think they're necessarily gonna be buying. Bioshock and Borderlands alongside it, but I don't get why 2K, when those games do share an audience, aren't splitting those up a bit. But especially because it's been so quiet up to that point. Like we've had nothing this year really, except Animal Crossing. Like missed missed opportunity. But then you know there are other ports too. Like there's Mr. Driller Drill Land, which I'm kind of interested in because I own the DS Mr. Driller and like that a lot. Um, stuff that's you not. Would. I hey I uh, yes I would and yes I will maybe get and you know and stuff that's not quite my cup of tea like it's nicely the diversity from like you know in the same presentation as Saint Rose four yeah Saint Rose four there's also Trails of Cold Steel three which are like very different games but um I know Star Wars caught your eye because you already said but Kevin I have a guess which game they announced a port of you are interested in potentially yeah baby uh, Shinseki into the debt no. Uh... Catherine Fullbody. <laughs> I was about to say, hold on, what? <laughs> uh, Catherine Fullbody. I'm super excited that that's getting ported because I I never bought it for uh for the PS4 because that I, seems like a good game to have in handheld. Yeah, game. and so it does. It was full body was released on the PS4 and digital only on the Vita. Rest in peace, Vita. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're pretty much a, getting it on the Vita too. You're that, getting on a better Vita. Yeah, you're yeah. getting on a Vita with improved visuals. <laughs> Yeah, so so I can't wait for that, and, and hopefully uh, this gets Atlas to finally make a. Uh, uh, assuming it sells well, hopefully Atlas thinks about porting uh, Persona Five or even Persona Three and Four over onto the Switch. So there was that survey a while ago. Yeah, there was most responses I've ever gotten. Yeah, so um, I'm pretty pretty psyched about that. You also did a pretty good job of holding out because, like, when this thing comes out in July, it's fifty bucks, not sixty. And it comes with all the add-on content from the previous versions. All the content. Yeah, so. Including cool. Joker from Persona 5. That's right. As a character. A skin for uh, the Tower of Babel stuff. Yep. So there's like um, a lot here for a cheaper price. So sometimes it pays to wait, I guess. I mean like for me, the one that I'm kind of in the same boat where it's like, oh, I guess it paid to wait is um, – not that I had a system to play it on. But I really liked Burnout 2 on GameCube a lot and then it never was on Nintendo system again. But now they're bringing out Burnout Paradise, the remaster edition, sometime this year, which I think it's a little different from Burnout. I've never actually played Paradise or read too much into it. But What's their appeal? I've always heard good things about it. They're just super – it's like it's like Need for Speed but even more arcadey and about really big crashes. I've never played Need for Speed. So, so it's an arcadey race. An example a, doesn't help. Okay. Fair, fair. It's, it's, a, it's a, an uh, arcade racer where uh, – Yeah, you're, with lots of crashes. Yeah, with lots of crashes. Uh, Paradise is well-beloved. I – so Paradise was the one that I didn't play. I didn't play Burnout One or Two, but I played Burnout Three Takedown. That was a really good game. Burnout uh-huh. Revenge, the fourth uh, entry in the series, I loved that game. That game was so good. I never played Paradise, but that one's essentially an open world Burnout game. It's it's basically Burnout paired with Need for Speed, right? 
Uh, like it's like they took the open world Need for Speed and shoved it into Burnout. Yeah, they even sure. have a, one of the DLC things they added of the eight DLC it now comes with, which is actually kind of awesome. Um, is a police chase mode. Like it's literally straight up Need for Speed as well as Burnout. It sounds like. Yeah, and then, and then uh, developed by Criterion, and then Criterion yes. went out to develop two of the most well received Burnout games, uh, Hot yep. Pursuit and uh, Most Wanted. And I do have Most Wanted on Wii U, and that one's pretty fun. But I just want a little more uh, – because, like, I think Need for Speed is still more realistic even in its arcadiness than Burnout. Yeah, so I'm kind of exactly. – so I'm looking forward to Burnout being told. Like, like I'm the guy who, like, really – like, my favorite, like, racers of the 90s that weren't a game that ended in the name Kart or, like, Diddy Kong Racing or something were, um, like, Rush and Cruising USA and Cruising World and, like, the super arcade stuff. Like, I spent so many hours, more than I can even – like I'm talking probably hundreds, um, just playing Rush. Illegal twos. amounts. What? Illegal amounts of hours for a kid? I don't know about illegal. It was legal. I mean, I didn't go to jail for it, but I played. I played like so many hours of just Rush Two Stunt Mode, which was just this open room with ramps, and you just drive around and do flips and stuff. And I just loved it as a kid. And obviously, I need something a little more than that now. There's actually an indie game. I, f- I forgot what it's called, but there's a game you can get on the Switch eShop for like two or three bucks that's literally just Rush 2 stunt mode. And I'm thinking I'm probably going to pull the trigger just for the nostalgia. But in terms of a more like full experience for a grown-up Jason, um, <laughs> Burnout, like it seems like that's going to be the like arcade racer itch. Like That's why I like Asphalt 9, which I don't think uh, we ever circled back and talked about the final version of on Switch, but I really enjoyed the demo of it at E3 last year. So like... Same with when I go over to the Xbox booth at E3 and always hunt down the latest uh, Forza Horizon game because those are fun demos. So, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for Burnout. Um, the I'm one thing that, that uh, yeah, I'm hoping that it runs at 60 frames. It is going to. It they have confirmed to. it. Have confirmed, uh, okay. So they didn't say the if trailer... it's docked or undocked. That's the thing I'm not sure about. I'm sorry. They didn't say if it's going to be running at 60 for docked versus undocked or for undocked or what. Okay. So it, yeah. Um, but what they did confirm is, yeah, it has all eight DLC packs. It's going to run in some form at 60 frames per second. It will have online multiplayer on Switch. And one that I didn't expect them to have, um, if you play in handheld mode, the touchscreen, you can use the map with your finger. So you can navigate the map that way. Hmm. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, I have one concern, which is in the end of the – so they had like, what, 30 seconds in the direct of it maybe? But they put out a couple-minute trailer separately or maybe a minute and a half or something. And at the end of the trailer that EA put out – in very small print at the bottom of the screen captured it says footage PC. captured on PC. Yeah. Which would normally be fine except that the game's supposed to be coming out sometime in 2020. Should probably be up and running on a Switch dev kit by now, right? Like you would think. So I'm hoping that doesn't mean they're overselling the visuals and I'm hoping that doesn't mean it's gonna look like chop or, you know, run less smooth. Even if it is at 60 frames it doesn't have like weird graphical stutters or weird stuff. Like hopefully everything's okay. Because I want to really want this game so we'll see but if it does it's not quite the end of the world because it turns out back at pax east uh the spiritual successor of the burnout series a series called dangerous driving uh that's made by a company called three field entertainment it's founded by alex ward he's the creator of burnout before he left criterion um they are making the sequel to dangerous driving dangerous driving 2 for switch and that is also coming out sometime this year so there's actually two potentially really good, super crashy arcade racers to play, and I guess it's just whoever makes the better game. Well, the first one wasn't received well. Well, that's so. a problem then, and I'm scared now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did. I just assumed. I just saw the pedigree on it, so I was like, oh well, Alex Ward. But that's not good. What, what, what were the concerns with the first one? Do you remember, or like what people didn't like? 
Uh, it just looked very low budget. Oh, mainly. that's too bad. Yeah, so. yeah. Gotta get that EA money, or back in the day, that Acclaim money. I think the first two burnouts were from Acclaim. Yeah. Yeah. But right. any other day on reports jump out to anyone? Unfortunately not. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I do think we should give some credit where... I mean, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I feel like Xenoblade is now on everything. It almost feels yeah, like... right. Like... Like who hasn't played it, but I mean I owned it on the Wii, but I I didn't get into it. It, it seemed cool. It just wasn't the right time. It was just like bad timing. Well, maybe May 29th, the same day as all the two games. No, that's, that's <laughs> way too many other games I need to be playing right now. You know what else I'm you could play in and around May 29th? Specifically, I think on May 27th, maybe or eight, um, is Ninjala. Which, uh, to be fair, all credit due to this direct, it was not all ports because Ninjala is a brand new game. As was Bravely Default we played 2. played last year or two we years ago. We played two years ago at E3. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, no, they basically reworked it. Uh, first of all, I, I, I don't think we really had much to say about Bravely Default, right? Like, no one really had a... I forgot that was even in there. Exactly. But I do appreciate that they are doing the Octopath Traveler-style pre-release demo where people can actually get feedback and they can use that towards the final game. Like, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that team is continuing to do that and that worked well the first time with Octopath and now they're doing it again. But um, the, uh, the only other new brand new thing was ninjala and yeah we it's new in the sense of it's not out yet but it's old in the sense of you and i angel played it two years ago at e3 um and i think at the time it's so- hard to say whether they've implemented a lot of the feedback because visually or i guess like when you look at the gameplay it i mean it looks the way that they look it looks like it can be fast paced but when you play it everything feels a lot slower yeah that's the thing is it was a bit but- clunky when we played it two years ago but i think conceptually it did at the time and still does have a lot going for it i mean like they, they have that whole system where it's all like bubblegum based for lack of a better term so like you you don't have a weapon you start by blowing a bubble with bubblegum and then you can turn that bubble into your weapon and the bigger you let the bubble get if i remember correctly the bigger the weapon becomes um but the bigger the weapon is besides it taking longer to create as people can try and attack you that also means you move slower so you can either do small bubbles with tiny weapons or big bubbles with big weapons and they've added a lot more weapons it looks like since we played it um but it's kind of like doing that whole balancing act uh at least from i remember from the demo and on top of that if i remember correctly the bubbles also can interact with the world so you can use them to like trap your opponents and then beat them up or you can uh, and that's like wiggle out by i think that you have to like just do like a mario party style wiggle the control stick thing or you can, like, hold your bubble in front of you as a shield or use it to, like, climb up things because uh, it's sticky. And from what I remember, yeah, it was, like, that. it looks fast but then doesn't feel fast, which they maybe could fix. But I also remember just thinking, like, how is this game going to do well? Because on the surface, it looks like Splatoon. Like, it has that same sort of, um, you know, Tokyo aesthetic. Um but it's this unknown. I mean, I, it could be set in the same universe, or that's like how the people looked before yeah. they went extinct in the Splatoon universe. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Before the people all died and went extinct, or whatever happens in Splatoon. But um, yeah, like, and it's it's like how you compete with that when you're just unknown IP based around bubblegum. It's a tough sell. But um, it seems like in the last two years, Gung Ho actually got savvy about it, and to their credit, like. Making it free-to-play is probably the move. That probably makes the most sense because anyone can just jump in, see if it's actually fun in and of itself, and assuming Gung Ho made a good game and they're confident in it, you know, people are going to invest in that ecosystem and they're going to make more money than if they tried to sell it at 50 or 60 bucks a pop as this kind of Splatoon knockoff, even though gameplay-wise it is different enough from Splatoon that it can't stand on its own two feet. Um, 
True that. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is, like, Switch has a proven track record with free-to-play games. Obviously, Fortnite does huge. Warframe's been big. Asphalt 9, which I mentioned before, it's doing really well. And in, in fact, they just pushed out a content update for that a couple weeks ago. Um, but just recently, we didn't even cover it. There's a new free-to-play game called Warface, not to be confused with Warframe. And that hit Switch a month ago, and it already has over a million Switch-specific players. So, like, I think they're probably going to find some success this way. And uh, I... I and and they seem to also understand that like you gotta keep that barrier of entry low. So they're not even gonna require a switch online account to try to play. You can do online competitive, online co op, whatever, all without a switch online account. So it really is the lowest barrier of entry to get into what looks like a Splatoon knockoff, but has a little more meat to it than that, which is good. Um I wish them the best. It's cool they're trying something new. Um it's actually a similar strategy to what Bandai Namco is doing. They announced in the Japanese direct mini uh, a thing called Namcot Collection. Yes, that's Namco with a T, Namcot. And uh, oh, that wasn't a typo. No, so apparently the game I actually corrected it because no, that's it. actually the name. So apparently from 1984 to 1995 in Japan, right. when Namco putting it back to its dumb yes, sounding name. Yes, right? exactly. But in Japan, for those for those uh, 11 years, Namco, when they published home game releases, did it as Namcot. I don't know why. News to me too. But uh, what this is, and I'm hoping it's coming to the States eventually, is you get it's a free download and you get a free copy of a, I think, Japan-only release called Wag, uh, Wagyan Land. And then you just buy classics you want individually. So you can get Pac-Man, you get Galga, you get Splatterhouse, whatever. There's going to be 12 in the first round. All have modern simulation features like save points and whatnot. And then they're going to follow with more from there. But again, like to me, it, it, it gets people in the door easily and they can sell them one by one because, you know, like Ninjala... I don't know how many people go out and get 12 games on a cartridge these days and call it a day and like, yeah, I only care about four, but I will spend $40 on all 12. I feel like we're kind of past that point, especially with Switch Online offering a lot for free. But if I had a download... about a lot. But, but, but I mean... It, it offers stuff for free. It offers a lot compared to the you get 12 for $40 on one cartridge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, and I don't know, like, I, you know, I might, or someone might choose to, hey, I'll download this free thing, try out Wagyan Land, and then, uh, you know, maybe I'll get Pac Man or something. And then that's money, three bucks, let's say, that they wouldn't have gotten from me anyway, and they can kind of make up the difference that way. So, like, would I download Ninjala at 60 bucks? Probably not. Would I download this, at, download this at 40 bucks? Probably not. But, like, you know, if they're free, maybe I'll throw a few bucks their way if I'm into it. So, why not? So, it's kind of a cool strategy. I like that more companies are trying these things. Um, hmm. Yeah, but you know what's kind of funny? I was just sitting here saying not everything announced was a port and being like Ninjala is an example of that. But then even when I elaborated just now and how everything wasn't a port in this direct, I then went right back to the fact uh-huh. that everything's a port. Namcock Collection is literally a collection of ports. Warface is literally a port. Asphalt is a port. And um, what's funny is that even like you know games you don't necessarily think of as ports are ports. Like big or small, right now Switch's library is a best of what the industry has to offer regardless of what system it's coming from regards where it's coming from i mean kevin you're joking about shinseki earlier the diving game yeah i when that debuted in the direct i was like wait where have i seen this before and then i realized it was capcom's one and only apple arcade launch title and now here it is on switch as well it's true on the indie side too like uh shantae and the seven sirens that was also an apple arcade exclusive um way forward just confirmed Such a weird exclusive huh such a weird exclusive but, to be exclusive. Yeah, but yeah, it seems weird for that game to be exclusive when. But not anymore. Everywhere. 
WayForward just confirmed is coming to Switch on that same weekend as everything else, May 28th. The I mean, day after Ninjala and the day before Xenoblade in the two case. What a week. I, I, I kind of want to say they said at some point that it was exclusive, that, they were, that it wasn't always going to be it was timed, yeah. exclusive to us. Yeah, just until... Because, I mean, it was episodic, apparently, and they were just waiting for all the episodes to come out, basically. Yeah, so I guess they did two well, halves. So from my understanding, uh, the launch version on Apple Arcade was the first part of the game, and then part two came out this past week, and now they're going to put them together and put it on Switch, yeah. But it's still... Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it's just kind of interesting that even stuff that would normally be, oh, yeah, this is a thing... Like, Shantae's always been on Nintendo Systems Day and date with every other version. So even that's now saying, so like, oh, it's a port, which, again... Nothing against ports. It's just kind of an interesting time we're in where we're like between dev cycles of original games and Nintendo's being real quiet. So we're just getting all these very high quality games, but as kind of like second go rounds at them. Not that's a problem, but um, yeah. So are you are you getting the new Shantae? Like where where do you stand on that? Because I know you're a big fan of the franchise, or were at least. It's been so long ago since it came out. Or I guess since it got initially announced but that. Did you play it? The the no, because it was on Apple T V. Mm. So like the hype kinda came and went and now I'm just like onto different things. Interesting. It's like when it initially when it when it initially got released, it would have been a good time to play it, let's put it that way. Because I didn't really have a lot like there was room in my in my schedule, but now there's like too many other things, so yeah, it's just not good timing. I'll I mean, probably play it eventually. Literally, too many other I mean, things on that one weekend, let alone. <laughs> I mean, I did, I did that with um, what's it called? With Pirates Curse, I didn't get that right when it came out. Oh, I got that's that right. maybe like a year later, and then I didn't even like complete it until even longer after. So, you know, yeah. it's not the end of the world. I'll play it eventually. And like sure. in a way, like getting them all at once is better than like for people who got it on App Arcade, you had to get it piecemeal. We're getting it all in one go. I think with even a limited edition physical copy for people who are really into the franchise. So, like, we kind of get a better variation of it with all said and done. Better yeah. situation. Um, but this does kind of nicely segue us, unless there's anything I'm forgetting from the direct. I don't think so. Definitely not. Yeah, so this does kind of nicely segue us into the other presentation Nintendo had, which was the Indie World Showcase. Um, it was aired as if GDC was happening the first day of, of what would have been the show. But obviously there was no show. Um, so one thing I at least thought was particularly nice about the presentation was that the video really highlighted like how global the community is, the indie game community. Like there are devs in Spain, there are devs from Italy. They all were in the midst of their lockdowns and yet still able to showcase their work and be recognized by Nintendo in this video to the fans. Plus, like it's nice to see that Nintendo's actually starting to make some movement here, like you know, start to do stuff. They have a um, a new sub-site of Nintendo.com that's all about indie games, the Indie World site. They launched a new Twitter for North America of uh, Indie World NA, I think, that you know lets you find out about more of these indie games because their main Twitter, let's be honest, they put maybe one indie game every two months. So like, if you if you get that spot, you're golden, but if you don't, you're never going to get any attention. So it's nice that they're trying. But in terms of the presentation itself, what did you guys think? Did any games jump out? Nothing really jumped out. Except, like, in general, overall, it was really nice seeing, like, so much variety in the types of games. It was, like, not yeah. to mention just the the variety, but just the quality and, yeah, just the quality and just the type of games that they are. Well, more not just types of games, but the, the medium. Like, a lot of them, like, honestly look like they could have been from bigger studios. Like, a lot of them don't... Basically, are, you we didn't of the, a, a, are you thinking of we, the we did, quality We didn't of... see a ton of the... 
just the quality of the games. Like a lot of them just didn't look like quick, easy ports. They just look like yeah, really long thought out projects. Not to say that the smaller ones aren't thought out, but I mean, it just looks like there was bigger budgets, even if there right. maybe wasn't. I think a good example of that honestly is Summer and Mara because those cutscenes. I know everyone's like, "Oh my god, it looks like Studio Ghibli," but like, oh, those cutscenes are very well done. <laughs> it looks like what Studio Ghibli, Ghibli, Ghibli. Oh no, that's a different game. No, that's Summer the, Mara, isn't it? No, Summer what am I Mara is. I mean, maybe, but there's like a game that literally looks like it took the art style from Ghibli movies. That's why I was, thought I no, thought. That's what I some, thought I was thinking of. And then when you're like, "What game?" So, I was like, or "Did I say the studio wrong somehow?" Uh, no, Summer Summer and Mara is kind of like the Animal Crossing ish kind of game. Yeah, yeah, you're um, right. There's another game. Yeah. yeah, there's another game. I forgot what it's called, but that one like just straight up looks like a Studio Ghibli game. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it funny. up right now can't believe i got the wrong game name what's wrong with me but yeah that one like that that's gotta be a pretty penny to make your cutscenes look like that oh yeah Definitely. and then also like um i thought i am dead looked really cool yeah um, i'm dead looks really cool yeah that's the one i think i'm most intrigued by because like initially i was into it because the world reminded me a bit of bojack horseman with like all the anthropomorphic animal human hybrids but um, then beyond that, like, the gameplay concept just sounded really interesting and sort of down my newfound road of, like, walking simulators and kind of environmental puzzles that are slower-paced and more story-driven. So, Kevin, have you looked up anything about it or do you know anything about it beyond that looks cool? I did a little research, but if you uh, know, I'll no, let you go. I, I didn't look too much into it. Just try to try to save the surprise for the actual game when it comes out. That's fair. That's fair. The um, I guess the main gameplay thing, without saying mm-hmm. too much, is just, like, you basically... Take a mute Jason, then. What? Yeah, go ahead and mute me. No, I was gonna say the the gameplay thing. I won't I won't say too much because I don't want to know too much either if it's story driven. But it's cool that you're basically going, you're trying to figure out something with a uh, someone's death. You you are the dead one, and you're going through like people's memories and the memories of objects, and you kind of like scan in and zoom in on them as they're showing in the trailer, and then that is how you kind of interface with everything and kind of learn what's going on, which is a very interesting concept that I'm very 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 curious to try out. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what the name of that Studio Ghibli-looking one was. Well, it's, a, it's an RPG-looking-ish one. But yeah, but the art style looks like cool. Like I said, not, yeah, art, art style. I mean, that's I like the art styles for a lot of these games look pretty interesting. Yeah, and but I think I think that's I what, that's but, kind of. And there's some there's some other ones worth shouting out. Like not there's not much to say, but like I kind of like you know the, the the was it what I think it was Baldo. Baldo. Yeah, Baldo. you might be right. Baldo. Yeah. It was Baldo. Wow, look at me mixing things up. Can I blame it on being stir-crazy at home? Or am no. I just... No. Oh, well, no. thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Unanimous. <laughs> that was, yeah, that, there was not even a hesitation. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do think some other games are worth, like, brief shots. I thought, like, Blue Fire, uh, kind of a fun-looking zelda action game, the yeah, one they Blue opened Fire with. Blue Fire looked really cool, too. Yeah, the, it kind of reminds me... It's like it's like a hyper light drifter and Zelda mixed together a bit, which already they're kind of the same, similar, so. The new sign that um, happiness game looks looked interesting. Yeah, looked like the, a... the, the timing of it being about an apocalypse is kind of funny, but yeah, I think, you know, if you're into the comics and you like that type of humor and everything, which I'm pretty sure all three of us do on some level, um, it's, uh, it's, I think it's going to be a good Another like, game that I've seen like at, at conventions for like, I feel like the last two years. I had no idea they were making a game. How did I miss that when you saw it? We go to the same events. We, we, uh, they always give me their flyer every time we walk by it. I mean, like, I, I kept up, because it, it was a Kickstarter game. Oh, So I kept up with the Kickstarter, like, a long time ago. And then, I mean, I think Obis actually got it. I don't know. 
You might have actually played it. It's already uh, out on other systems? I thought it was coming to Switch It's not on PC. No, it was a PC thing for Oh, interesting. Because I, I know that at least in the case of uh, I Am Dead, Switch is getting it, I believe, first. Or at least it's coming this summer. Um, and it's coming from the people, whoever works at Annapurna that picks games, like Edith Finch, Sayonara, I Am Dead, they, they are on a roll. Like, get that person a raise. There's, that, but in there's terms- that game that they announced at the Xbox conference last year. I think it was called like 12 Minutes or something like that. That looked really Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really curious what's going on with that. I hope it comes to Switch. That looked really cool. They're very good at narrative-driven things. Different genres, but all very narrative-driven. All like specifically interactive. Well, I guess it makes sense. They're primarily a movie studio, so I get it. Um, but yeah, other games that are worth mentioning, I, I do think it's cool that we're getting uh, Pixel Junk Eden 2 just because it means that... Um, Dylan Cuthbert, who you know worked on the Super Nintendo Star Fox and later Star Fox Command, and most recently for Nintendo platforms, the extremely underrated Xscape for a DSiWare, he's now having a game on Nintendo system again for the first time, and I don't know how long. So that that was kind of cool to see, and I hope that means other Q games, Pixel Junk series games, come over as well. That one came out of nowhere. I I remember it really did the the first uh, Pixel Junk Eden on the PS3, I believe. Yeah, on the PS3. Yeah, I I love that game. And then this one looks. I I know there's a a mobile version of it, but I didn't like it that much. What what did they change? Like what did they scale it down in a way that hurt it? Or uh, I think I think it was just just having to use the touchscreen. I don't like, but uh, this one looks weird, like new mobility options and stuff like that. So I'll, yeah, it should, it should hopefully be cool. Gonna, definitely gonna pick it up. I'm also pretty curious about um, the last campfire from Hello Games, mainly because they're going from such a massive, expanded, like expansive world of No Man's Sky to like a significantly smaller, seemingly more intimate saying with like a emotional heart in the last campfire. So I, I read somewhere they're trying to aim for it to be kind of like a Pixar style experience, which could be cool depending on what that means. But um, yeah, just like when I saw, I was like, wow, this is quite a pivot for for those guys coming out of No Man's Sky, but. Yeah, I don't know. Am I, for, am I forgetting any other games we're, we're just giving a shout-out to? Like, there, there are a bunch in that that were, were all cool in different degrees, different ways. Uh, I mean, I, I would had... just recommend just seeing the the video itself. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely entertaining enough to watch. Yeah. But... I was a little yeah. disappointed. Well, I don't even know if I can call it disappointing because I had never even played the first one. But Exit the Gungeon was a weird mm. one to end on. It's because Enter the Gungeon sold over a million. That's the only reason they did. Yeah. Um, but considering it's such a shift in uh, gameplay. Yep. Uh, and apparently this was an iOS. Uh, yes. It was a. Speaking of it, ports. An Apple Arcade. It was an Apple Arcade. It was an Apple Arcade game. It only came out like a month or a month and a half ago, I think. Maybe two. All right. Um, my time may be totally off base because I don't know what what's what time is anymore. But um, yeah, it came out somewhat recently, and yeah, it's it's a completely different game. It's just borrow. It's the same universe, same IP, but yeah, everything else is different. And I I honestly think Nintendo is like, oh, it's a name people know. We can mic drop with that. But uh, I feel but, like, but but then Pixel um, Junk like, could have been a mic drop. A lot of people really really love uh, Enter the Gungeon, and seeing such yeah. a departure, I saw very mixed reviews on like steam because right. it also came out on steam it's like right this, how is this enter the gungeon in any form yeah i don't even I, if i'm if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. it might not even be the same developer 
I might um, be wrong, but I think they're doing what uh, what crazy. Yacht Club Games does with Shovel Knight, where they're like sort of they're they're continuing to make their own games, but then they're also letting the IP be kind of a way for other developers to experiment with other gameplay right. in that like umbrella. Because you know, they Is that have, where like, the card games come from? Hmm? Is that where the card game came from? Which card game? The Shovel Knight one. Oh yeah, probably. Or like more recently, um, how they're doing the the. Uh, puzzle game with Shovel Knight where it's like half platformer half block like three block match game is announced back at PAX maybe um, or like they're doing that uh, basically Steam World game but with Shovel Knight that's a little different but very similar so, so neither none of those are being made by Yacht Club from my understanding they're all other developers that they're working with so I imagine Gungeon you know they see they have this very successful name recognizable IP in the indie world and they're laying it they're kind of writing it out making some money on the side that's my guess but yeah I could see why law fans would be disappointed because even watching it I was like this is nothing like what I thought Gungeon was well but but yeah uh, overall though there's a lot of cool stuff I'd say between the direct and indie world presentation which also was kind of cool to have them back to back in a week after so long of people saying Nintendo's not giving us anything for Nintendo just be like fine take them both um there is a lot of cool stuff, even if some of it's familiar, even if some of it's things you can play elsewhere and other times. Like, it's nice to know that the Switch has this breadth of content in general coming up in the next two, three months while we're all stranded. So, so I think, unless you guys have anything else that we want to talk about, I think that might do it for this episode. I think so, too. I feel like we, um, I feel like we had yeah, more. Yeah, nothing like that. What? Nothing. Yeah, there's no other thing I could think of. Yeah, I feel like we. To be honest, I expected there'd be much less than this. I didn't think we'd have two presentations to talk about. So um, good on Nintendo for keeping us busy during these weird times. Um, Our next episode. Yes, thank you, Nintendo. (laughs) No, I meant us as fans, not the podcast specifically. Just us, the fandom, busy with all this stuff going on. Um, Oh yeah, thank you, Nintendo. (laughs) I like the tonal shift there. Um, But yeah, so our next episode is going to be actually on Easter Sunday, on April twelfth, and. it's certainly going to be another social distancing situation, uh, but it should hopefully still be a good one. We're going to have impressions of a good job that I mentioned earlier, um, plus whatever other cool online discoveries we may make, and, of course, all the latest news. Um, so to make sure you don't miss it, I guess first things first, you need to stay healthy. So wash your hands, stay at home, play some games. Um, but once you do that, then you can subscribe to us on all the podcasting apps in the world. We're on uh, Google Podcasts, which a couple episodes ago I was saying I didn't think was actually the branding was complete. Well, they just rolled out an iOS app, so they are now completely Google Podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify. We're on YouTube. Um, RamNintendo.com is the name to look for. Uh, I think those are the main ones. And then, of course, we're on Twitter at RamNintendo. You can also follow us individually. I am at JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is K-V-N Gomez. I think I've done all the housekeeping. Is there anything I'm missing? Probably not, right? So, Probably not. Kevin, Kevin, final word? Uh, stay at home, people. 